Hi, my name is Michael Poli, and I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. My friends are obsessed and always make jokes and references to it. And so now, 20 years later, I've been convinced to watch the show from beginning to end, one episode a week. I'm a Buffy virgin. Welcome we to Buffy Virgin. Uh, my name is John Landis. I'm going to be hosting for tonight. Uh, today on Buffy Virgin, we are watching season three, episode six, Band Candy. Uh, tonight on Buffy Virgin, we have the actual Buffy Virgin, Michael Poli. Thank you very much. I'm excited to continue to watch Buffy with you guys. Buffy, oh, sorry, Michael has never seen Buffy. Uh, except for up to this episode. We also have Travis. Hey, everyone. Super fan. We have the uh, incomparable horror comics cartoonist, Dennis St. John. Hey, thanks for having me on. But I have my new book, Land of Many Monsters, and many more and, monster tales. And we have a new guest, Navita. Hey. Hi. Hi, everyone. I am here just for tonight, unless I get invited again which would be awesome but for tonight and i have been watching buffy since it was on the air season one so and i love it and i'm excited to be here tonight can i so ask a buffy got... question navita when yes. you first show buffy to people because i heard that you like to push buffy what episode do you yes. ask them to watch first is it just episode one? Ooh, you know okay so everybody always knows that you preface season one sucks right? Whoa! Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Do not agree. Yes. Yeah, yes, that's an agree. Preface it with like season one sucks, but there is a lot of continuity that's built on season one, so you do actually have to watch season one. So I just tell people to power through season one, get into season two, it starts to pick up, the characters start to get really deep and really good, the, the writing's awesome, it's really funny, you know, that's basically, you got to sell it like you got to get through that first part and then it's going to be great and you're going to love it. And I've never had anyone say, oh no, actually it really does suck after they've gotten into the first couple of seasons. Mike, does it really suck after the first couple of seasons? Oh, what do you mean? The season one? Does season what? one suck? No, I mean, like she just said, nobody ever complains once they get past the first couple of seasons. Are you complaining at this point? Oh no, I mean, I'm complaining about character things. I'm not complaining about the show. I'm enjoying watching the show. So you're, yeah. you're, you're glad to be on board at this point, which we never directly yeah. ask you, I guess. No, I mean, I'm, I'm glad yeah. to be watching the show. It's fun, but it's infuriating because <laughs> you guys are watching a different show where the, you already know what happens. And I'm frustrated mm -hmm. because uh, Buffy continues to lie about Angel and uh, Xander and Willow's <laughs> secret romance is, uh, just needs to get addressed. And the show is like faintly addressing it. And it's making me feel crazy because uh, I know the consequences will be terrible. Yeah, we can get into that, obviously. Um, yeah, like all right. That. Let's get on with band candy. We're going to start with uh, great lines, which will be read uh, in character. Summary. summary. Oh, summary. Of course. Oh, summary. This is the same oh, thing the, I did when I hosted. I forgot. I'm such a dummy. Yes, let's do the summary first. Uh, the summary, which was pre-recorded by uh, the man with the plan, Travis. Uh, Mike, do you have that ready? Can you play it? Or shall yeah, I? Yeah, yeah, I, I can bring it up. It'll just take a second. Thanks, Mike. Uh, okay. uh, while we're uh, setting up, I just want to uh, point out to people not watching on YouTube that Navita has a really cool Gur Arg shirt. Gur Arg, yay! So it's yeah. representing. Oops. All right. 
Oh no, I got a shirt kinda, a little bit different. I kind of feel like the guy that wears the band t-shirt to the concert, but you know, I figured that this this is the kind of nerd crowd that would appreciate. Uh, You're yeah, correct. No. Yeah. Okay, Buffy here it is. season three. Let me start this now. Let me know if you can okay. hear it. Buffy season three, episode six, band candy. It's that time of the season again. No, not Halloween. It's test taking season. Buffy's just a normal high school girl, studying in the cemetery with her male high school librarian. But she gets to fight her demons not on the test page, but in real life. Still, a girl can break a number two pencil that way also. But she's still like the rest of us, and can't resist guessing answer B when it has been absolutely forever since that was a good option. You gotta have faith that it's B sometimes, okay? It's Mr. Trick and Treat time at the mayor's office, with creepy skulls and locked wardrobes. People, you gotta keep your wardrobes locked. There could be a lion or witch in there. But it turns out the beast you know is the... Wait, how's that go again? Mr. Trick knows the beast who knows how guy who knows how to make it rain? Which is good because this is California. No wait, he'll make it eat rain. No wait, that's not right either. No, it's Ethan Rain. The worst D-bag in Sunnydale since uh Ethan Rain, I guess. It's the guy Xander likes to compare himself against. Maybe in thirty years he'll run for US Senate. Wait, that seems historically out of context. Okay, back to Sunnydale. Buffy is trying to D as in drive, but M as in mom is not buying it. Oh yeah, there's screwed up magical bank candy in this episode. But all candy is magical when you really think about it. We are a few minutes from mystical mischief, so stay tuned. Buffy asks why she puts up with being blindfolded by her male high school librarian, and yeah, that's a spectacularly relevant question. I guess the even more relevant next question is why is she visiting her half-naked ex-boyfriend who learned Tai Chi in hell? Or maybe he's just been practicing all the Ken Ryu special moves from Super Street Fighter <laughs> 2 for the past seven years. Remember, this was on television in 1998, Street Fighter 2 was released in 1991, so that actually is historically relevant. He's shirtless, so she brings some fresh blood, but what about some fresh teas? A whole mansion with empty closets except for all those damn skeletons, right? Eventually, Buffy's round-robin lies come back to haunt her. Or not, because her mom and Giles go all wacky taffy, or choco loco, or two musketeer. But hey, she's no junior mint. She's a senior mint. And she needs to get some sleep for her the SATs. We start to see the awesome effect of chocolate, which I think is just magical chocolate. Which explains when I I act this way after eating regular chocolate, the world just can't handle it. Okay, back to the episode. Buffy shows up at Giles, then is really freaked out about her new dad, or rather her mom's new boyfriend. But then is distracted by those shiny, shiny car keys. The bronze is packed tighter than a can of sardines. Make that old sardines. And that is freaking out little willow tree and Buff. It's all coming into focus. The adults are teenagers, and the teenagers need to act like adults. And Snyder is long for the ride. Just some simple breaking and entering later, and Mama Joyce and Giles are on the short end of a gun. That beats being the victim of a hit and run like the Scooby Gang, I guess. It's pandemonium without the pants. So just demononion or demonion or whatever, however you want to say. Then Buffy faces the most difficult adversary for life. Seeing her mom necking with her watcher in public at a random warehouse, maybe by the docks. I hope by the docks. And this is an evil warehouse. Talk <laughs> about timing. At the warehouse, she crushes those evil candy slingers like a pack of Necco wafers at the bottom of my high school backpack. Cordelia wants to swap <laughs> books back to the library, but Willis thinks she wants to swap her Snickers for Willow's Almond Joy. Yikes. Buffy starts slamming Ethan like Typhoon, and clock clockwork rain sputters it like a leaky faucet and reveals that this will all be about some, doubt, some lousy demon tribute. Slipper Ethan tries to wipe out Buffy, but drops to his knees after Ripper strikes back. It turns out four newborn babies were pilfered from the super safe local hospital. Oh yeah, that hospital. After mere minutes of investigation, Ripper starts ripping some memories out of his hippocampus and boom, it's the sewers. It's always the sewers on Buffy. That's why I refuse to live in the sewers to this day. And that's really the only reason, because dang, it's cheap down there. Talk about freeing up cash for that magical chocolate budget. 
So Buffy, Joyce, and Ripper burst into the sewer and flame out the magical snake demon Laconis, but Mr. Treat dances out of another tight spot with Buffy, but into a tighter spot with the mayor. As for Joyce and Rip Giles, that, uh, that queasy feeling, that's just too much chocolate. That's right. That's just too much magical chocolate hangover to go around. Nothing to see. Move it along. I'll never, I'll never tell. Wow. Travis, right. I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah. I really feel like you need your own podcast for that kind of humor. That's that's crazy. That was excellent. Thank you for the praising. Yes. I want you to summarize like every every program you watch. I feel like I need a summary of your summary. Ooh. <laughs> Stuff happens. Sugar. All right. Um, so we're gonna move on. Uh, somehow from that we're somehow we're going to move on from that summary <laughs> to uh to the great lines um this episode is chock full of great lines this is episode is wall-to-wall great lines so i'm going to ask everybody yeah. to kind of pick one and i'm going to call on people no! uh quickly uh and maybe we'll have time for two but you know mm-hmm. dennis what's your first great line um uh i really like um Maybe it's just the delivery, but uh, Armin Shimmerham's Summers, you drive like a spaz. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Shimmerham really uh, stole the show this episode. I mean, there's a lot of great acting, He's a great but he really, he, oh, he, yeah. And Navito, give me a great line. All right. I really liked, are we killing something again? Only my carefree spirit. <laughs> Which was Cordelia and Buffy. And I was like, oh, yeah, I feel that one. Yeah. Travis, give me a great line. Uh, I, I like the summary she drive like a spaz. That's, that's yeah. my favorite line. Uh, I agree. Michael, can you give me a great line? Uh, awkward line in the warehouse uh, about Ethan Rain. We need something to tie him up with. Mom produces handcuffs. <laughs> Never <laughs> tell me. Never. <laughs> I feel like we may need to unpack that moment a little later. Uh, oh, please. Yeah. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis, you have another great line for me? I do. Um, another Armin Shimmerman. You want to splash around in the poo? You're the filthy one. Excellent. Uh, Navita, give me another great line. I like, I know a beast who knows a guy. Yes, excellent. <laughs> it was just so straightforward. It was great. And Travis, do you have another one? Um, when Ripper's like, I've got to get a band together. <laughs> That's a good yes. one, yes. Yes. <laughs> And Mike? Oh, oh no, that that was it for me. Just the that one bit. That's- uh, I don't know if this is being recorded or not, but I do want to call out the fact that Travis, your webcam is doing an amazing uh, Max Headroom thing where you're jittering back and forth. Whatever it is, don't fix it. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, all right, so we're gonna move on to our weird noticings and trivia section. This is a. Uh, Usually our longest section, but it's unusually long today because this is a particularly <laughs> exciting episode. And uh, also because Navita is like really quick on the draw with both the insights and the trivia, which is excellent. So yeah. uh, I want to start off, Navita. Um, you have a, a noticing here about foreshadowing right off the bat. Do you want right. to talk about that? Yeah, there's actually several instances of foreshadowing throughout the whole episode. But one of the first ones is as they're sitting in the graveyard, Giles is reading off the answers to Buffy for the SAT questions. And he references that all systems tend towards chaos. 
And that basically right there is just like, bam, there's the episode. All you need to do is pick up on it. So I really love Who loves chaos? It's chaos. Yeah. Well, with the foreshadowing, you should really host some sort of podcast where you do literary and literary analysis of stuff. Like, I don't funny enough, I do that. Oh, Navita, would you like to now that we're on the recording talk about your podcast? Yeah. So, a friend of mine, uh, my friend Shannon, and I do a YA literary analysis podcast where we are focusing on a particular author, Maggie Stiefvater. And she has a series of books called The Raven Cycle, and they actually really reward the reread. And so picking up on foreshadowing and themes throughout those books is actually, it's like line by line, there's something that will lead to the next thing, but you only pick it up on the second read through. So it's just, it's a lot of fun. And there may not be a whole lot of crossover between this podcast and that one. But if you want to check it out, it's Raven Girls like raving IRLs, Raven Girls, and uh, we're on Twitter and Tumblr and WordPress and all of those fun sites. So you're welcome to look us up. That's cool. cool. Yeah. Um, Will um, this podcast be entertaining if you haven't read the series, do you think? I highly, so it really depends on your feelings on spoilers, because I think you should just read the books because I think they're amazing. Um, and they're YA. Although they're more on the adult side of YA, it's basically like psychics and street racing and hitmen and dead Welsh kings, oh my. Like, there's a lot of, it's, it's, I saw an article that said it was basically um, a prep school boys meets charmed meets fast and the furious. So if any of those things are exciting to you, that's, that's kind nice. of what these YA novels are. Um, but I highly recommend that people read them because we're going to be spoiling them from like the get-go. I mean, we literally just spoil it from the from the beginning. So, so I teach middle school. Is the uh-huh. podcast young adult friendly? Is that something I could recommend to my students with and not get in I, trouble? Well, see, I don't cuss any more than in canon in the books. There's the f bomb probably in the first book a good twelve to twenty times. I would say the cutoff now, I as a child read way above my grade level, sure. but I would say that it's probably a 15 and up level book. So noted. Yeah. yeah. There's drinking. There's, there's actually not a whole lot of sex, but there's street racing and drugs. <laughs> and, uh, street racing's the new sex. And, yes. <laughs> yes. So anyway, it's, it's an interesting and great series. I wouldn't do the podcast if I didn't love it. So, but right. I talked about it a lot on my other podcast, so we could move on. <laughs> That's exciting. All right, so um, Mike, you have an interesting noticing about uh, trick and capitalism. Uh, I want to hear more about this. <laughs> I, it, I feel like it's so obvious, but I feel like there's this very simple, like PhD thesis you can write about trick and capitalism, or master's thesis because he uses the language of capitalism. He shows up the first time we see mm-hmm. him. You know, he's pulling a guy out of a fast food, you know, restaurant window to eat him. Uh, you know, they're right. con- he like uses capitalism as a way to get people to sh- like deliver food and then they're the food. You know, like mm-hmm. it's like, and then this episode, it talks about Ethan Rain as a subcontractor and like just the whole language uh, that he uses is really fun in that way. And my uh, literary analysis brain picked up and I'm like, oh, this would be a really easy paper to write. Uh, to pull all these examples together and like capitalism and murder 
Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, we could definitely, like, um, Dracula the, is, you know, the novel is kind of about the old school clashing with the new and the modern and, like, the fact that, like, banknotes erupt when he bleeds and stuff. Like, <laughs> you could really, like, yeah, this would be a literary, this would be a paper. Do it. I would be good as a video essay also, but anyway, just, yeah. I enjoy, uh, I enjoy Trick's language. Your, your Buffy vlog spinoff, right? Yeah, no, I just need to get physical DVDs so that I can, like, rip and then, you know, re- recut. Uh, well, I have them, so you're welcome. Ooh. You could borrow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike, you uh, you have a second noticing here about um, Ethan Rain, and how do you hire Ethan Rain? Oh, yeah. So just, you know, Trick knows a guy that knows a guy, so somehow he knows Ethan Rain. I don't know the hiring process to get him. I didn't realize he was available for hire. Uh, he seemed like he was a personally motivated, like a uh, creep, not like you just hire this guy, but the show treats it like he is. And like, he kind of goes along with tricks, you know, plan. And like, there's that creepy moment where only if you were hired to do a job, would you overlook it where like trick, like assassinates a guy or kills a guy on his line that like tries to eat some candy. So, and like Ethan Rain looks visibly perturbed by that, but like still goes forward with whatever it is that Ethan Rain does, which I guess has come up with a magical formula for this chocolate. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think anyway, like, group, how do you hire Ethan Rain? Well, there's like a, there's I, obviously I, like a Hellmouth version of Silk Road, right? Where like you've got like, <laughs> yeah, where you've got like, uh, you've, you've got like the, the, the German guys with the, with the machine guns and you've got, um, what's his name of the Mequot clan with the arm knives, all those guys from the last episode, right? Yeah, it's the, and silk, this is kind it's of, the silk road of the Hellmouth. It's kind of Trick's thing to like not do it himself and to like, he has this oh, network yeah. he pulls from. I don't know, it's just, what? it's weird. Well, he even says that at the end of the episode, he says, usually I don't engage, but I want to go toe to toe with you. And so he actually lays it out like, nope, I'm going to fight you and then Giles. So. Very good. I don't know how, I don't know how Ethan Ray, I'm fairly sure he's monetarily motivated, but I think he's just in it for the fun. That is the point of Ethan Rain. He wants to see the world burn. Mm-hmm. Well, he's like, uh, the Joker's got the, that line mm-hmm. in Dark Knight about never do what you're good for, what you're good at for free. He's the original mm-hmm. Joker, mm-hmm. this Ethan Rain. <laughs> Uh, Dennis, you have a connection between Buffy and John Wick. I'm not sure I totally get that. No, uh, they either. both are good with killing, killing people with pencils. Oh, oh. okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think John Wick stole that move from Buffy, the pencil kill. Uh, but I think Buffy does it better because they have like a fun joke about it. Like she's like, mm-hmm, oh, can't mm-hmm. study. And Charles is like, you know, always be prepared or something like that. Yeah. Right. Versus John Wick would have killed some. Well, John Wick would have killed a guy and then done nothing because he does. He his, he operates like a like a school shooter. He would just do it and then move on, you know. Um. So, Navidi, you would totally want to Jason Bourne do if he was uh, like a '90s action hero. <laughs> <laughs> so, Navita wants to make up for his own stand-up, but he wouldn't do it. Sorry. Yeah. Not at all. Navita wants to call out the death of a salesman reference. Correct. I, there was this, it was just nice that Buffy made a nice, solid death of a salesman, Willie Loman joke. I liked that. And so, Xander had actually prefaced that with a, a good literary joke as well. So I was like, yeah, go for you guys. Wait, what was Xander's joke? I don't remember that. 
Xander's joke was, were you visited by the, Chris, the ghost of Christmas past? Ah, yes, that's and right. And so he did the Christmas Carol. Yeah. Fun fact about Buffy Virgin, our Buffy Virgin played Willie Loman on the stage. Oh, no. Yeah. Yes, he did. Awesome. In the year 2000. Yep. Or maybe 99. Yeah. Uh, yep. Definitely uh, above my belt you know, or above my pay grade kind of performance for high school theater to do Death of a Salesman, but we did it, damn it. You don't, you don't think that's an appropriate role for a 17-year-old? You know what? They are always doing Shakespeare in high school, and I don't know why. I mean, you're, do, you're playing characters with emotions you've never had and can't understand. Like, like a near, a near suicide. Yeah, no, no. Acting. Yes, I played a near suicidal salesman that's disappointed in his life. Uh, but you know, with my high school senior angst, so right. yeah. For the record, so how- Mike did a wonderful job. He got a standing ovation. It was it was yeah. a wonderful night. It was yeah. it was good. John, you were in it too. You- John, what, which what was your character? <laughs> I was Howard. I was the the bad guy. I was the boss. I get to fire you. It was my job. Mm. Yep. Uh. Howard, you're a terrible man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't want to do luminisms. Anyway. <laughs> Since you guys were in the play, how did you guys feel about Buffy making the joke? It was just nice. Yeah, it was nice. It, it was nice yeah. because it reminded me of high school, honestly. Yeah. It was like, yeah. that's a thing you read in high school was the reaction mm-hmm. I had. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dennis, you want to point out the mayor's cabinet? Yeah, uh, and Travis pointed out in the summary, I just thought it should be noted because it's such a weird, like... Uh, well, in a mayor's office, and I think they did a good job. I think it's a gross-looking cabinet of curiosities. <laughs> uh, I agree, like they did a good job. And stuff. But they make a yeah, they make us. They suggest that he's like, "Where's my scotch?" And he's looking in the skull as though he would have possibly poured his scotch <laughs> yeah. into the skull and then forgotten that. I don't think the skull is watertight. I mean, maybe it is. No, I think it's. I think it had a liquid in it, and it, he he smelled mm-hmm. it, and it wasn't his scotch. Oh, was like, mm-hmm. you know, the blood of babies or some shit. Like yeah, what got. Uh, what got me about that is that he touched that shrunken head with his bare hands. And I just uh-huh. don't think that that is a in-character moment for the mayor without going directly to the PRL afterwards. Good point. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good a point for a clean freak to have such a, like, a creepy horror cabinet and not yeah. wear gloves when he goes. I bet you yeah, he has sanitized exactly. the shit out of all of those items before he put them in the cabinet. And he, like... Warlock cleaning spell or something. Mm-hmm. Plus, scotch is an antiseptic, right? It is. It is. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, I, yeah. Oh, Naveen, I really want to get to what you have here about um, Angel being sweaty because I had the exact same thought. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I just, okay, I was just like, wait, he's super sweaty. He's been working out. I, did he just like spray water on himself right before Buffy came in? Because I don't feel that vampires would sweat. <laughs> like they don't metabolize in that way. So did, is he like oiling himself up knowing that Buffy's going to show up? And then... That feels like it's in character because like he's clearly going out of his way to set these scenes up for her to find. Right. I mean, the, the Tai Chi and the shirtlessness, I mean, it goes clearly- with it. He, he not only is never putting on a shirt, but he's still but he's shaving his chest and his armpits and everything. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think, though, that the, the, the clothes thing can partly be explained by the fact that he's in this, like, mansion basement or whatever, and Buffy's bringing him food. 
And the only clothes he found are apparently the pants that he pulled off a hobo after he got back from hell. And she hasn't brought him any clothes. He hasn't got any real clothes to wear. Imagine he used to live in. Surely Spike left some clothes or something. Oh, he's not going to wear Spike clothes. That's going to be anything. Yeah. No, but I would think vampires would sweat blood is really where it comes down to. Like, they wouldn't sweat water. They'd I mean, I don't sweat cheap Chinese food. <laughs> and uh, I think in True Blood, they sweat blood, right? Is that true? Well, it sounds yeah. like they picked up the, the problems that were left by this episode then. Yeah, and they answered uh-huh. them. Right. Because I agree the Someone sweat is weird, to. but uh, I like, I love this scene. <laughs> Uh, I love it. Sorry, I, I skipped it, John, but I do want to. I just want to point out that the last time Buffy brought up getting a driver's license, she died. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's just a continuity thing. Just want, want people to remember what happens when Buffy brings up drivers, like getting a car. You know. I think Buffy has an anti-driving uh, message uh, because you know uh, Cordelia tried <laughs> to learn how to drive and she lost her mouth or whatever or her eyes, whatever. Her, it was. Vision. Yes. her vision. Yes. Her vision. Sorry, someone else lost their mouth in that episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I but feel I like the drive. writers must be terrible drivers because yeah, driving is like anytime anyone's in the car, it's like something terrible happens. Yeah, uh, driving and sports are up to no good in the Buffyverse. Mm. That That's right. and anything to do with driving or sports. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, Mike has a comment about the angel action figure, which I think is funny. Oh, yeah. So the angel action figure is obviously shirtless. I haven't looked, but in my mind, it's a shirtless figure. Um, And also, I would love to see shirtless angel doing his phony martial arts as a screensaver uh, anytime. (laughs) Uh, We can make that happen for you. (laughs) It's just like the scene... I couldn't believe how long the scene was and it felt like there was a filter that had been turned on, like a soap opera acting filter that was turned up to 11 for that whole sequence with Buffy and Angel. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of amazing. Yeah, it feels so separate from the rest of the show when, they're act- when it's just their scenes. Mm-hmm. You know? It doesn't feel on, like a high school scene. On high purpose, I mean, they are sort of separating themselves from the rest of the show. So it is kind of purposefully like, this is this atmosphere that is only in this sh- this scene with Angel, but yeah, I love it. Um. Well, and also uh, that scene is followed up by a scene that I can't. I'm so happy to see uh, where Buffy gets called out for lying about where she was because she's like she gets home and she's like, "Oh, I was just with Giles," and Giles is at her house, and I'm like, "Damn it, catch this!" She, she's going to see Angel catch her. <laughs> she's so angry. I'm so. Uh, for me, this is so satisfying, Mike, because you are emotionally invested yeah. in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is really uh, great because so, for all I'm, of I'm, us, I'm, we all know where this ends. Like, like for you though, you don't know. Like, does Buffy get caught in this lie next episode? Is it never? Episode, we all know how it ends. <laughs> we all know how it ends, but you don't. You don't, and it's great to watch you squirm. It's really uh, great. It's so it's so satisfying though to watch Giles and Joyce like kind of work together, and that I love that fantasy of them working together and how it plays out in this episode. I mean, for until the candy kicks in, but mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, also, stupid note: Angel's feeling better. Where is he to help out? He said he's feeling better, but then he, of course he collapses. So maybe he right. really needs to recover. He's not feeling that great but I, I don't know why he doesn't help. There's like, <laughs> they're stealing babies. These are terrible people. 
Angel like reacted when there was just a drunk at the school. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm I don't know. I think I feel like the way the episode plays out, you know, Angel can stand up and he can do some Tai Chi. I don't know that he can like run around and kill bad guys yet. I feel it's like it's just this stupid excuse so that Angel can be a secret longer. So it's like he's not in tip top shape yet. But he's clearly looking amazing. He spent three hundred <laughs> years in a hell dimension. What do you want from the oh, guy? He's gotta recover and be a sec- in a secret hideaway cave getting better mm-hmm. so no one can know he exists. Cave, I feel like cave. guys it's a mansion. It's the mansion. It's the courtyard in the mansion. Yeah. Yeah, no. It with Angel and his whole like I don't know. I actually really love this scene because it shows how awkward they are with each other. And I think everybody's had that, like, trying to be friends with your ex that you're not quite over. And yet you want to know about their life, but you don't actually want to know about their life. And there's, I think they have great chemistry in this scene, actually. So that's um, a good call. I, uh, yeah. I to bring up Scott. Buffy totally forgot the Scott plot line. Like, <laughs> I think. So I did think, the writers. Well, yeah, yeah. No, I think she's like, oh, you were actually listening to me. Yeah, I, I mean. Now, I... Angel's verbal, right? He wasn't even verbal last episode. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, he's yeah. like, Giles. So she... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she's probably talking to him about Scott and didn't even realize that he was actually, you know, listening. So I don't know. I had forgotten about Scott. So, hey. There we go. I was like, wow, they were still dating? Okay, that lasted a lot longer than I thought it did. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we talked about this before, and I listened to some other Buffy podcasts that also talk about this, like it's sort of a a, a writing weakness that Scott is so throwaway, but I actually feel like that's a really nice reflection on teen relationships, that that they're they're life-changing one minute and forgettable the next. Yeah. Is is actually really great. I love the the in the last episode the the, the kind of crazy smash cut where she's like, you know, Scott's a really steady guy. He's got he's there for me when I need him and you just cut to Scott breaking <laughs> up with her. It, it that's yeah. a really great moment and I feel like yeah. that is uh, that's awesome and it's why also Scott is so different than Angel. It's the mm-hmm. I think it works really well. It, it reminds me of that moment where Joyce is alone with Armin Shimmerham, right? The principal and <laughs> He's like in the warehouse and Giles is off fighting and he's like, Hey, you know, like he's almost like, you want to go out, you want to date. And like, just cause Giles out of the picture for literally a minute. And it's like, she looks at him like she might think about it for a second. And then she's like, nah, uh-uh. but like that feels like high school relationships, right? Where it's like, Oh yeah, maybe this doesn't matter. This thing that was super important to me. Mm-hmm. So moving on to the parts of the episode where yeah. the chocolate starts to, um, kick in uh dennis you wanted to talk about uh joyce and giles just sort of like how they're eating the chocolate as they lecture buffy yeah great uh i just that acting is great how like this scene is like this normal lecture scene and is like dramatic and stuff but just like they're constantly shoving like they're it's just good acting they're constantly shoving it's good prop work is what it's it is. good prop work i was it's gonna say that if you work. didn't it's <laughs> <laughs> some good chocolate props uh, <laughs> Uh, and, and yeah, that moves right into the chocolate bonanza. That, that yeah, is and Navita, bonanza. you you uh, you have a similar experience with the band Cream in high school. <laughs> yeah, no, I can just absolutely picture that that album just really gears and listening to it on the uh, record player and laying back. And I won't say what substances I may have been imbibing, but you know, <laughs> it's very similar with the uh, listen to this part, man. This is it. Like, it was yeah. I, I love it. 
I also really like her being like, do you like, I forget what band she said, yeah. but do you like this? Croft, and, Croft, uh, Seals and Croft. Seals, Seals and Croft. And Croft. Seals and Croft. What? Yeah. <laughs> just the teen, teen Joyce being like, no, me either. Like. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's so disaffected and she's such a nerd. She's so dorky. It's adorable. Yeah. Joyce's lines are like, they didn't make any of the great lines at the top of the show, but mm-hmm. I feel like she has these sort of like supporting lines that are amazing. Mm-hmm. Like every mm-hmm. time she's like, oh, poor babies. Like it's, yeah. it really oh. just underscores everything else that's going on. Ah, she's yeah. great. Yeah, there's some great like um, uh, uh, whatever it's called, where there's just like almost um, fuck, uh, you know, just when there's a lot of dialogue going on at the same time. There's a lot of like throwaway background lines. This episode, right, like Joyce right. has a lot of them. Snyder has that one where it's- they go into the chocolate factory, and he's like, "It smells so chocolatey." <laughs> They're not like uh, well, these great just- punch lines, but it's like yeah, yeah, the, the yeah, the chocolatey line. Christine Sutherland has said that this is her favorite episode. It's the lady who plays Joyce, she loves this one. So, and you can see it. They're having a lot of fun. Yeah. Very yeah. Juice Newton. Yeah, very Juice Newton. Who I looked up and I was like, I don't see that coat, but sure, I'll, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> who is Juice Newton? I didn't get that reference. Um, she was a pop country crossover singer in the 70s. And she did okay. the song... Playing with the Queen of Hearts. Oh, that's a good song. Yeah. That's on uh, the GTA San Andreas soundtrack. That's a good song. <laughs> that's Juice Newton. You wouldn't know. I, yeah, I had to look it up too. So. All right. Uh, in, in playing very with the, specific and very dorky. Yeah, uh, it's good. <laughs> playing with the, like, if Buffy is driving, something terrible will happen, mm-hmm. or any, you know, she's a bad driver. But like, also Joyce's drinking just felt like a thing. Like, oh, nothing good's gonna happen <laughs> if Joyce is drinking. And I, and I yeah. love, last I love time, that. Last time she did schnapps, her best friend died. So. Yep, I, oh. that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Poor Pat. The... Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. Pat. R. I. P. Pat. <laughs> yeah, I was trying Poor to figure Pat. out what she was drinking. I was like, mm, mm, it looked her. like a Frangelico, like a... Irish cream. Oh that's no, no, no! The Irish bottle they bring cream. out is totally Kahlua. Yeah, which supports supports like a a crazy theory I have about how Giles' house is just full of like really fruity (laughs) liqueurs. Like I don't understand. Like he has scotch before, but then like later when um when Whistler is like, there's no good drinks in Giles' house. He's got like he has these like really goofy liqueurs. I don't understand it. He probably takes all the scotch to work. <laughs> That's what it is. He's, he's got it under his <laughs> library desk, so he can just pour himself yep. in the middle of the day. He's alone in the library, six period, drinking scotch. It also seems very teenagery to just drink Kahlua straight. To be yeah. Like, Totally. I love, like that's actually something not that my brother drinks very much but like last time i went to a bar with him he just ordered a shot of Kahlua, and i was like oh. <laughs> not even that's, a white russian or that's not a thing <laughs> but actually, i know people who do shots of Kahlua. who really? who are the these sticky people throated bandits it's just they just thought it was like they just did it they they drank lots of different kinds of alcohol but they would just pour out little shots of Kahlua, and they'd all drink it together no thanks. Uh, uh, I know a shot. I know a shot called the Baby Guinness that like um, is Kahlua on the bottom and something that floats on top of it that looks like the head of a Guinness, and it's disgusting. That is disgusting. 
Um, let's Sounds talk about good. Giles's teenage accent. I feel like there's a lot to discuss here. Um, Navita, first of all, you have a great piece of trivia about this. Yeah. So the, the Ripper accent is actually Tony Head's actual accent. And so I just love the fact that he's, I don't know, he, he basically gets to use his actual accent for this part. So, and he does a really great job of flipping back and forth between the two. Uh, right. There's a little bit of a hint when, when Buffy walks in and he's, you know, they're chastising him or they're chastising her, sorry. And he slips just a little bit. And of course he throws in like, oh, I forget what exactly he says. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. But he does a great job of flipping between the two and making a clear delineation between Ripper and Giles with the accent. Yeah, I mean, his yeah. body posture is totally different also between like Stuffy mm-hmm. and Giles mm-hmm. and Relax Ripper. But yeah. like the accent thing is interesting though because, um, you know, the, the accent that Ripper has is mm-hmm. a much lower class accent than the accent that Giles mm-hmm. has. So right. what I'm trying to understand here is like, mm-hmm. was there a moment as Giles was, you know, getting older was there like a My Fair Lady sort of moment where he like got lessons, wanted to like rise in the watcher ranks? He, you know, he's got to impress the watchers above him. So he, he mm-hmm. needs to drop the low class accent. Or that's one I think theory. It's the other way around. Right. Yeah, I think it's or, the other way around. Yeah, yeah. He was born with the upper class accent. Mm-hmm. And as a teenager, he's affecting a low class right. accent to be cool. And then he reverts right. back. Yeah. Right. That's I think what that's I what think it is too. Mm hmm. That's really interesting I would go with to that me. Theory. Mm-hmm. I go with the other way where he was low class and then he learned his fancy accent. But he says but that his, his dad was a watcher. His family, yeah, his, yeah, his grandma or someone. Mm-hmm. His grandma was a watcher, yeah. But, Although yeah, maybe so, is, is being a watcher an upper class thing? I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily a given. Yeah, it's, a, it's, an, I think it's, it's, it's an educated thing. We can argue about that maybe next episode. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I go back to something that I didn't write down? Was that how um, Giles made Cordelia pay for the, like this insane uh, book fee? And in my mind, all I thought was that Giles just pocketed that money. Oh, no. <laughs> he paid, like, bucks and he just pocketed that money and bought some more booze with it. More scotch. Yeah. That was my Put under the desk. Yeah, absolutely. That story felt slightly out of character for both of them. Um, yeah, the philosophy book. About paying the money, or yeah, yeah, I feel like yeah, all of the, or that yeah, Cordelia would care about paying the money. That Cordelia's strategy would be to get a philosophy book to impress boys. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, that fits in very well with like, um, uh, what's the serpent guy? Yeah, serpent Makita. That the Makita yeah, episode. Yeah. Uh, very well yeah. With yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the guys she's yeah. trying to impress in that episode are frat guys. They're not going to be like oh, you know about Plato's allegory of the cave? Let's date. That's not going to be those guys. Like, they might I be. I don't know. <laughs> she tried all types of dudes. I uh, suppose so. I wanted to point out that um, and she settled on Ripper, Ripper still has his demon tattoo. Uh, yeah. Which I'm pretty sure is a prediction, right? Oh, it was a prediction. Mike made a prediction specifically that he would not get that tattoo removed. So uh, we don't yeah. know if that'll ever come true or not. Um, we're not allowed to talk I about think that. We give him that point if he's still got it now. Do we see it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. When I, he takes I didn't. his shirt off. I mean, when he's just oh. wearing his white tee, you can see the um, demon tattoo. 
Oh, we can talk about whether whether we'll give them that point. When we get to predictions. That's a good. That's a good point, Dennis. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Navita, you have a, a really nice piece of trivia here relating to uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, there's a great. Um, just Tony Head actually was in the revival of Rocky Horror in the early '90s, and I posted links to the clips. I don't know if you got a chance to see them, but she, he's amazing as Frank yeah, and Porter, and he he does he knocks it out of the park. And I've uh, heard about that so for so long, but I've never seen a video of it. <laughs> so it was great. Thank you for posting that video. Absolutely. On the Twitter and Actually, stuff. Absolutely. I love his uh I love his voice too. He's amazing. I also really liked uh the costuming on Riff Raff. Uh I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched like um Time Warp to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sort of Damocles, I think. But just Riff Raff looked awesome in that also. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised that someone has like the whole ninety one show up and then I guess they did another two thousand and five little revival show as well. Mm. So, yeah, no, he's a great, he had a great, he has a great voice. He just has an amazing voice. So. I wonder if I hear any more of it. <laughs> hey. <laughs> how, how close do you think the Ripper's accent is to uh, Spike's? Because wasn't that the, that was the other trivia was that Spike's but is, was taught to, Ripper that uh, Tony Head used to teach Spike how to do lines. I mean, I can answer on behalf of my English girlfriend uh, that uh, she says that Spike's accent is ridiculous and not believable. <laughs> I disagree with her. Yeah, I mean, I, I do too, but, uh, you know, doesn't seem to convince her for some reason. I can't imagine why. Uh, it's believable for us, but don't actually have to deal with like hearing it every day, probably. But yeah. So speaking I, of sure uh, my English girlfriend, uh, one lesson mm-hmm. that I've learned is that you should not go to England and say "spaz." Uh, oh. In British culture, uh, "spaz" is a really offensive term. It's uh, it is like saying "retard" in America, mm-hmm. and probably sh- probably should be here too. <laughs> we yes. probably also should be offended by it, but we're not for whatever reason. Right. Uh, yeah. That's something I learned the hard way in front of my girlfriend's family. That was a fun. Oh. That was a fun time. <laughs> it was just like yeah. a, one of those like needle scratch moments where you're just like, "Oh, did I do something?" <laughs> I also have a hard time seeing you casually say "spaz," but is that an '80s thing or a '90s thing? Yeah, I feel I like, like yeah. I mean, I feel like, it. it it was, I don't remember the context when I was using it there, but I feel like it's a term I use to describe myself in a self-deprecating way. Like, oh, I'm spazzing yeah. out. Like, nope, nope, not funny. No. Not funny in that, not funny in that context. Shouldn't be funny in our context, but uh, more acceptable here. Uh, and um, this is a little bit of spoilers. In the Buffy comics, Buffy goes super into the future for a few issues and um like she can't handle like everybody's future dialogue and stuff but she drives a flying car and they're like summers you drive like a spaz (laughs) that that expression lasted huh (laughs) it endures so mike you are not allowed to uh predict that buffy will travel to the future in the comics oh really uh that she's gonna drive a flying car it's gonna be a uh buick yeah anyway (laughs) i don't i don't I don't feel like we're including the comics too much. Uh, Buick Skylark. Yeah. There you go. No, but I do have a fantasy Skylark. that um, that in the year 
2035, we will eventually get to the point where we will be doing a podcast about the comics. About the comics? All yeah. right. We'll get there. Yeah. Well, I'll be Buffy Virgins there. At that point. Season 8. Oh, I've read Season 8. No, yeah. Yeah, but I'll they're up to like Season 11. I read Season mm-hmm. 8, and I think I stopped at Season 9. But. Mm-hmm. Wait, they're up to Season 11 in the comics? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. That sounds about right. I haven't been following it either, but yeah. And there are Angel I've comics heard. to read, too. So there's a lot of work. There are. All right. Speaking of a lot of work, let's talk about uh, <laughs> Ripper slash Ethan. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. Let's let's do that. <laughs> I want to like to to cut to the end a little. Like just the fact that Ethan at the end of this gets handcuffed by, like by Ripper and then is paid money afterwards. I'm like, this was a win-win scenario for him. Like, <laughs> he got everything out of this he would have could have possibly wanted. Like every trip to Sunnydale, it ends with. Some sort of sexual torture with the Ripper. Yeah. But he actually gets <laughs> to do it to teen, It's actually Teen Ripper. It's actually the Ripper he wants. <laughs> I didn't write it down. It is It was a little bit later, but the, when Buffy actually does punch Ethan and the little jump that Giles does of joy <laughs> is like my favorite thing in the episode. It is the best <laughs> moment. Yes. Yeah. They're so good. They're so good together. So I, I would like to p- ask the question of where you think Faith is during this episode. My theory is that Faith has found some really hot older person that she mm-hmm. wants to seduce and is having a lot of fun. Uh, where do you think Faith is during this episode? It's a good question. Uh... Yeah, I feel like she's pretty adaptable to this kind of environment with uh, kind of loose morals or, or unconfusing <laughs> morals. And so she's enjoying herself. I would think. Mm-hmm. Also, like, apparently, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't. It's hard to guess. But I, I assume she is, like, in a, a confused, in a confusing tryst at an, or a party with, uh, <laughs> that spans the generations. Yeah. I bet it took, it took her a really long time to register what was going on. It was just like, these little dudes like to party. Didn't really register <laughs> the magic part of it until, like, way late. Um. Let's talk about uh, Xander eating candy and the effect it has or does not have on him. Yeah, that was kind of lovely where Xander takes a bite and uh, you, you, well, they kind of talk about what the candy does and mm-hmm. how it makes you kind of mm-hmm. act like immature, like you're 16. And then uh, Xander's like, oh, that's why it doesn't work on me. And like, I thought it was really fun to call out to like, it, it actually doesn't have an effect on him. <laughs> it's kind of, <laughs> kind of charming that it wouldn't affect kids. It really just affects old people, right. you know, who are yeah. the protectors of babies. So makes sense. Right, it's a nice, right. it, it's a nice uh, acknowledgement that Xander is the worst. <laughs> like he's been the worst this whole time. And it's like the show isn't well, oblivious to the fact that he's the worst. Right. Do we yeah, see any of the worst, other, do we see any of the other characters eating the candy? I actually didn't look for that at all. Yeah. Does anyone else? Does no, Bobby I think it's just Xander. Or Willow. So, okay. All right. Well. Sound like hotcakes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good joke. But that was also a good one. Yeah. Although yeah. that moment. I was, I was like, I love this dialogue, but I hate this footsie. So. Oh, God. I hate it so much. <laughs> it's so Brilliant writing with terrible, this terrible romance. Uh, yeah. 
I think we can all just agree it's the worst. We can. Um, Navita, you have a point here about gun safety. <laughs> yeah. So, so when Giles pulls the gun on Ethan, and when Ethan's trying to crowbar in the back of the head, he cocks the gun and she takes it from him and puts it in the back of her pants without decocking the gun. Like, what are you doing? Why? Yeah, it was just a weird thing. I mean, I don't know if someone just didn't say, oh, by the way, you need to put the safety back on. I don't know that much about guns, but I noticed that she didn't do anything with it. Mm. I think it Buffy, it, it's consistent with it's Buffy isn't good with guns, right? Like yeah, last episode, yeah. she's not, Cordelia is the one who shoots the gun and it goes, it goes way sideways, but she, yeah, mm -hmm. she's just not like a gun person. That's not right. what the world is. Even putting it in your waistband band just seems like a way to like lose a butt cheek. <laughs> 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 not the safest, safest place to put it, I guess, but yeah, she's... I don't know. I didn't think it was very smart. That's all. Uh, it's just to be cavalier way. and cool. I mean, it's like total mm -hmm. actor gunplay. It's great. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Let's Absolutely. talk about the crazy amount of candy in that factory. I feel like... <laughs> I feel That's like... Right. It was a dis distribution, right? They weren't actually They overproduced for their... Dis <laughs> they, need, they need to have had a different distribution channel besides just the high school, right? Yeah, so do you think there was a plan to, like, get the, the town next, next over, or, like... I think they just know. fucked up with the distribution. They needed to, like, sell it in stores. Also, obviously, they got enough to turn the whole town, including the, like, uh, hospital, all chocolate chocolate man yeah i kind of feel like they might have been trying to go for the next town because i think those vampires only picked up like five babies and i think if you're a glutton of a snake monster you might want to eat more than five babies i think it was four babies four babies well it's definitely an oversight i mean but you know trick doesn't have a lot of retail experience or like managing you know supply chains you know so i <laughs> i can see why he'd screw that up he was just like we're gonna make a lot of this candy and yeah, that's why like, they were just literally throwing it out to the crowd at there, and they're like, "We gotta get right. all this product." <laughs> and probably what happens to it at the lot. end? And probably the guy that he killed was the most senior person that, like, even understood how it was managed. So, like, you know, they just kept going after that. I feel like if there was like a yelling, "Have irresponsible sex, candy," that would be like a really valuable street drug. Yeah, obviously, all that chocolate still exists at the end of this episode. Yeah, that might be something that comes up again. I don't know. Oh, that's true. Well, you know what? I'm not going to predict that. I think this chocolate's gone, but that's an interesting uh, red herring to put out there. That, uh, this, there's a lot of unused chocolate in this warehouse. Called out. Meanwhile, the, uh, the, red the red herring, it's not selling. Nice try. Like the hot cake. Tried to fish like in, but it was just red herring. <laughs> All right. I see your redfish, bluefish. <laughs> oh, Dennis, our uh, resident monster expert, would like to cast aspersions on this particular monster. The CG Laconis fucking sucks, man. Yeah, I, know it does. The, I know this is the show's first attempt at a CG monster. Uh, mm -hmm. It just—it's so bad looking, and everybody who worked on it should be ashamed. Um, <laughs> but it probably a cost job. a lot of money. <laughs> it did. Yeah. Like yeah. $1998, that's a lot of money. <laughs> I also could see, like, if they made, like, a real prop that then Buffy caught on fire, I could see that being just, like, 
a spectacular disaster that kills oh, the no. enemy. Like, yeah. So I understand why you, you do the CG if you're setting the whole yeah. thing on fire. But it just looks so bad. Like It does uh, look bad. The texturing another... is really insane. And like its <laughs> face is just like a dune worm, basically. Yeah. Um, they just they could have done... <laughs> they could have so done a better. giant puppet and it would have been fine. Not even yeah. a giant puppet. They could have just done perspective puppet and it would have been fine. Just reuse the snake monster from, you know, the university nope, campus nope. or whatever. <laughs> nope, nope. Oh, that would have been kind of nope. cool if it's like Makita's yeah. return. Nope, nope, nope. It'd be great if they just called it Makita 2. Makita 2. Makita 2. The electric boogaloo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how that works. Return to the blue Makita. Oh, no. There was... There's another great little foreshadowing line when the mayor's on the phone and he says, call the public works. I have issues with uh, the lighting and the exposed gas pipes. <laughs> oh, so they just hand it to you on the silver platter that there are these exposed gas pipes and these giant torches everywhere. That was kind of nice. I like that just as an act of just as like weird mayor stuff like whatever you know he's fixated on the thing that's immediately in front of him I I thought it was fun it was like a fun little business uh, do you like him as a mayor Mike do you think he's like a fun mayor character well he grew on me this episode I think he's like more fun and interesting this episode he's just a creep last episode where he's just like you know being told about terrorists and he's like wash your hands Uh, (laughs) this I feel like his character developed a little bit more uh so like oh. he's he's definitely constantly a creep but he also has some genuine mayor concern like he's in the sewers but only because yeah. he's probably going to spend more time there and so he wants to get his <laughs> issues taken care of uh, right it's just like, yeah, you he's can't... like such a weird character yeah it's super weird i don't think he'll be uh last longer than this season but it's fun to spend time with him yeah i mean obviously as soon as buffy goes to college this shit is done we're done with this mayor <laughs> <laughs> dennis you notice something in the um in Xander's uh, locker. Oh, his locker, he has one of the Cordelia Homecoming Queen flyers in there. Nice. Yeah, that was. I noticed that too. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Who does? Xander, Xander does. He's got a Cordelia uh, poster. Uh, yeah. Yep. And we have some bookends at the end. The end comes back to the beginning. To the beginning, yeah. So it was just nice to see, like the the conversation between Buffy and Giles at the beginning where you think that they're having these really intense Slayer conversations and it ends up being about the SAT. They do the same thing at the very end where she's talking about how her world is, came crushing and uh, came tumbling down on her and they're talking about the SAT and it was great. And then Snyder also volunteering the kids to, to sell the candy, but then they also have to clean up after them, after everything that happened, which did anyone actually say? Term, by the way. Volunteering, yeah. <laughs> yeah, did anyone actually use the Kiss Rocks? Who had that up there, the Kiss Rocks? Oh, I, I Kiss Rocks. Kiss yeah. Rocks, who would... Oh, I get it. <laughs> who would want to... Oh, line. I get it. Yeah. Snyder's main thing is like, I don't trust you, you're irresponsible. Here, do this important job. Yeah. That's his main yeah. thing that he does every time. <laughs> He's busy. I don't, I don't want you criticizing Snyder anymore. He was wonderful this episode. He was he, he was, was excellent. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and the episode sort of ends with this moment between Joyce and Giles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I had expected 
well, I didn't, I didn't expect that moment, but I expect that they will never talk about it again. They talked about discretion. We're not going to bring this up, basically. I mean, they don't talk about it. It's inferred discretion. But I, I like the assumption that, like, they totally, uh, they had a lot of casual sex or whatever this episode. <laughs> Bang, banged on a cop car, right? Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. <laughs> wait, are we saying, wait, no, that, that was my question was, when do you think that they did it? Was it on the cop car or do you think it was they earlier totally while on, they were listening to records? On the cop car. On the, the cop car. Both times, <laughs> both times. Both while times, records was both yeah. and on the cop car, yep. All right. Yeah. Okay, the, okay. I mean, the cop car thing too. seems like uh, that's more strongly implied, but it's also like grosser. Yeah, well, teenagers are gross. I mean, yeah. Okay. Also, so she was so excited when Giles punched that <laughs> She yeah. was. She was really into that. Getting into that. Yeah, fuck the police, says, says Joyce. Says Joyce, um, the nerd. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we can move on to questions. Is that okay with everybody? Yeah. All right. Sure. Um. Let's see. Navita, he wants to know if this is Jane Espenson's first script for Buffy. I think it is. Mm-hmm. I believe I looked it, it up, is. and I think yeah. it is. Yeah. She's great. She's just amazing. Yeah, she That's all. Out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and uh, someone else had a comment here, Travis, um, about Angel season one DVD. I love that episode. Room with a View is one of my favorite episodes of angel it's amazing yeah and she's, so. she does a whole audio commentary it just yeah it's really fun and i think well, and she i think she also she does worked a, on a bunch of stuff yeah 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 she's yeah. continued to be active um and i think mm-hmm. i have actually a list of um she i think she did another great interview i think she's done a couple of really good interviews and i'll try to find a link to mm-hmm. one of them, um uh that she did so give me a couple of minutes and i'll try to find the link um, while Travis is Googling, um, mm-hmm. Dennis uh, wants to know who among us has actually sold chocolate bars as a fundraiser. I never did. I have. I did not. I had, to do it. I had to do it every year at my elementary and middle school. And just like Buffy, I would do the bare minimum and just have my parents buy a box and be like, mm-hmm. I'm done. I don't want to do any more than this. Uh, but my brother was super into it and he would always try to get the top prize, which like the top prize was like a bike or something. So he would, like, go out to the Tulane campus and sell, like, to all the college students. Oh, he smart. Would, like, be, like, really hardcore about it. And he never got the top prize, but he would sell, like, 500 boxes to my, like, one box, you know. That really sounds like your brother. So, yeah, I know. so I found the link because I had bookmarked it. But it's actually the Writers Guild Foundation website. So you just go to um, www.wgffoundation.org backslash wp dash content backslash uploads backslash podcasts and um they have um interviews with ben edland drew goddard david fury jane spenson marty knoxon and mm. a bunch of people who um worked on other television shows that i don't actually know yeah. mm-hmm. so it's a really great website um so all the all the um even have the molly new sisters i think from bob's burgers are on there uh, mm. anyway so Definitely check out this crazy website and um, really, okay. fun. Yeah. really fun. Didn't she also actually um, start the show Warehouse 13, which I haven't watched, but I believe that she was one of the showrunners on that as well. And she had done Battlestar Galactica and Deep Space Nine and 
Although and I think she did I, Gilmore she Girls after there. Buffy, yeah. right, Travis? Yeah, Gilmore Gar- yeah, Girls as well. On, mm-hmm. And then she also worked on Once Upon a Time. And then um, I think either he or, she or Marty Knoxon had a show for Lifetime that was actually supposed to be pretty good. And then hmm. did she just, was it Marty Knoxon who just wrote a movie about anorexia? I think it was Marty Knoxon. That's Marty Knoxon. Okay, yeah. And I really want to see that movie, but uh, thank God they've kept working pretty hard. Both of them are amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although Marty Knoxon is the spoiler yeah. alert queen. <laughs> I can't listen to any I, of her interviews or audio commentary yet because she'll be doing audio yeah. commentary on a season two episode. And then she's like, so let's <laughs> talk about how she's going to. Yeah. But season five, which is what we're filming right now, this is what we're doing. It's like, no, oh, <laughs> this is a season two DVD. um so dennis wants to know if any of us are still having um high school stress dreams in the way that buffy did uh based on her sat stress yeah i still do every now and then do you guys not school (laughs) definitely work definitely work but not school yeah i haven't had school stress dreams lately i did i did for a while and and I think I have more college stress dreams than high school stress dreams because I blew off high school pretty hard. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, I blew off a lot of college in high school, but I still every now and then get a stress dream about it. And so I'm yeah. like, this stupid metaphor, I hate it. Like, <laughs> it's the thing of, like, I'm either naked in class. It's really classic stuff. Like, I'm either naked in class or, like, there's, a, you know, it's a test. You haven't know I was, yeah, like a class I didn't even know I was in. And I'm just like... I feel Mike and Travis really stressed high school pretty hard. Do you guys have high school stress dreams? I mean, I stressed it at the time. Didn't have to stress it in my dreams, so. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Just in real life. <laughs> Just in real life, yeah. I, I'm going to guess Travis doesn't dream. <laughs> yeah, I'm much like a robot that way. Um, so, yeah, I don't really dream. But ro- Android's dream of electric sheep, man. Do they? <laughs> Do they? Tuesday. Wait, Travis, are you are you Ted? Is that the kind of robot you are? Oh, wow. Hey, Ted. Ted had some really advanced uh, microcircuitry, right? <laughs> Just a program that way, young lady. Oh God. In the summary, like the only bigger D bag in Sunnydale was Ted. I almost said that, but then I'm like, you know, Ted wasn't really a D bag. He was just insane. <laughs> yeah. It's like a yeah. subtle difference. Ted was just crazy. Um, Navita has a question I think is interesting about whether um, the reveal about um, the mayor yeah. working with and trying to tribute to demons um, was kind of underplayed. Do you think, do you guys feel mm-hmm. like that was given enough, enough weight? I kind of, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, I did agree. it work for you guys? Yeah. Did it work for you? I agree that it wasn't I think this played. Is a question. I, it wasn't yeah, played very strongly question. because when they got to the baby sacrificing part, it was a big surprise. Like, mm. I, like I had to rewind it because I was like, what is, what the fuck? Because then we're like, there are these vampires going into the hospital to steal little babies. And like, that's right. the demon sacrifice part because I had completely forgotten about that. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I don't, I, you know, they said the name of the demon. So I assume there'd be a bad guy at some point, but mm-hmm. I didn't imagine he'd be eating babies. And it felt to me like, you know, there's just a bunch of Buffy plot ideas that you put in a bag and you pull some out and then you do those things. And like, it just felt kind of random, especially considering all the foreshadowing, like Navita pointed out that oh, so many other things. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if they talked about it eating babies or hinted at like, oh, mm-hmm. it likes young or something like that. Right. Or, 
There's so many dumb yeah. jokes they could have made. Yeah, but I love the heretofore unacknowledged great line of uh, Snyder. That is so wrong. Like, <laughs> that's <laughs> oh, one yeah. of my favorite moments in the whole episode. You know what's funny? I thought about recently, just this episode is like all of, like up until now, they've been hinting a lot about Snyder's involvement with the mayor. They're like, the right. mayor's on the line yes. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Snyder mm-hmm. is not given the head up at all to not eat the chocolate. Uh, so he's really not <laughs> oh. part of the inner sanctum. Right? He's a low level oh. lackey. Yeah. Definitely or a low level lackey. Uh-huh. Right. He doesn't even know about the demon stuff, but like he's talking to cops. Like there's so much implication that this like this conspiracy. Yeah, the first time the mayor's mentioned is in school hard, where they're like, "Oh, PCP." Like we'll just give them the same story of PCP, and the mayor needs to know about it. And it's kind of a throwaway that the mayor's involved in all this stuff, but you don't really see it until this episode or last one, I guess. Yeah, season two had a slow build to the mayor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for those of us in the uh, Divorced Parents Club, of which I know at least three of us are, um, Mm -hmm. I really related to this moment where uh, Buffy's like, oh yeah, I was uh, was with dad. And then dad's there. And like the moment that your parents are, like your parents are actually talking to each other enough to gang up on you is terrifying. (laughs) Like that, that, that was a moment that happened to me when I was maybe 17 or 18 and really scared me. Like, oh my God, you're talking to each other again? I'm in deep shit. Uh, did any of you guys ever try that though, of like playing your parents against each other, of like lying to one about the like, oh, I'm with the other, so that you can get away with stuff? No, I mean, I, my parents just no. didn't talk, and it was no. it made me sad because uh, I had to re- <laughs> you have to repeat every story and do everything twice. Like, it's it was always odd when they were together. Like, I think you know, high school graduation, college graduation, wedding, like literally only at the milestones did they ever get together and talk Mm -hmm. and like it's always like they're super shocked at what's happened in each other's lives and like well you should talk i mean (laughs) so i don't know i i you know you totally could have but like it was i felt unnecessary i guess i never had to because they didn't talk so it was like (laughs) you don't even have to think about it travis same same as mike really to be honest interesting all right um, one thing I noticed was that the, uh, the way that, uh, this frames being a teenager is that being a teenager means saying dumb stuff, having irresponsible sex, dancing and stealing. That's what teenagers do. I only did two of those things. Uh, which of those things did you guys do? I know for all of you, except for Navita, I know the answer to this question, but. Uh, well, I definitely said dumb stuff all the time. Um, same and i drank <laughs> same um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. drinking I, and slash drugs or just yeah. drinking i mean drugs aren't really there? like a like totally acknowledged in this like um there's that moment where they're listening to records and they're smoking cigarettes right, i feel like they're not cigarettes. really smoking cigarettes i feel like we're meant no, to no, understand no. what that I means but you. like yeah uh-huh they're definitely doing the, oh, man, our parents just caught us. Do you think they know we're high? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I feel like there's unspoken <laughs> where, pot in this episode. <laughs> totally. Um, I mean, one of the things I thought about this episode, uh, because it's the SAT episode, is, like, my bad SAT experience. And part of that was that I did 
acid the night before I did my SAT. Oh, no. God. <laughs> I and forgot I about this story. Then I had to drive to a different high school that was in a town I'd never been to with my dad because he didn't, like, trust me at that time to, like, go by myself. Um, I wonder. So that was giving me terrible flashbacks to, like, my SAT experience. Um, so I did that. But, no, I mean, I think I danced a little, maybe. Mm-hmm. I feel like you have this really crazy acid story, Dennis, where, like, <laughs> accidentally took some acid, or, like... I took acid that was accidentally laced with PCP, and then I mowed the lawn, and it was an incredible experience. <laughs> <laughs> it changed my life. <laughs> I thought, like, maybe... I had to mow the lawn up a hill every week, and it was suddenly easy, and I was like, oh, I should just be doing acid all the time. <laughs> it sounds like, uh... No. Wow. <laughs> I thought uh, it was like, 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 like you, like some, like accidentally absorbed on your sweaty skin. I couldn't remember. No, that was that's like an urban <laughs> legend about the dude who like strapped a whole sheet to his back and then it got rained. He got rained on. I thought maybe like it got. It that wasn't like, me. Got <laughs> Did you have something that got like soggy and then and then I don't know. I I remembered some crazy story. I'm like. This can't be right. It's the first time I did ask it lasted like almost 24 hours and I thought I was just going to live that way. Oh man. Is that story? Maybe it's that. Yeah, I have stories, but yes. The the pro- I don't remember 3 days after prom story. <laughs> prom or 3 days after. I kind of came to on midday Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Well, I definitely did everything on this list. Uh, I'm not even going to plead the fifth. I I did all those things. I I was terrified of dancing and terrified of sex <laughs> for for a long time. Uh, I'll just so say I was no, a boring no teenager. stealing, no stealing, That's and all. also no stealing. Yeah, I didn't steal anything. Even yeah, though stealing was a fad, but yeah, no stealing. Stealing was a fad. Yeah, I mean, people taught each other how to steal, and then stealing happened. Yeah. And then someone yeah. gets caught and then the stealing, you know, the thing ends, you know. Who was, I wasn't even cool enough to know stealing was a fad. <laughs> who Sorry, was stealing, man. who was stealing what? Man. I feel it was all junior high school and then people, some uh, people kept doing it in high school. But okay. like, it was mostly girls to be honest, mostly women stealing. It, Interesting. It, it was, I would guess that it was because we would have shoplifting rings. <laughs> I, I'm, feel, I'm fairly sure that this is, beyond the prosecution stage they can't prosecute me for anything i did when i was 12 but yeah you'd kind of distract people and then you'd shoplift this person would shoplift and then they would distract the the people in the store and yeah it was a thing it was a thing i won't say i'm proud of it but it was a thing i stole uh art supplies from hobby lobby a couple times but i was in my 20s um, that was definitely, You've uh, been totally redeemed for that though, because now it's like fuck Hobby Lobby. I mean, like yeah. that's totally okay now. Uh, we had a, we had a in our twenties, John and I, who were super into shoplifting, and I feel like that maybe just influenced me a little too much. Yes, uh, we did have a friend who was really into shoplifting, particularly from Hobby Lobby. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, it's really that easy? Well, I need some pens. Um, yes. <laughs> All right. Uh. I shoplifted lavender uh, essential oils from uh, Whole Foods once. I think I stole on some batteries purpose? from a convenience store in middle school. Yeah, on purpose. On purpose. Because it's really purpose. expensive and it's really tiny, so it was like the it perfect thing to steal. Expensive. Yeah. <laughs> it is. That was, that was not that long ago, though. All right. So, <laughs> uh, how sexy is it when your man beats up a cop, everybody? 
That's Navita's question um, for the group. No, 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 that is not my question. Actually. Oh, that's Mike's question. Somebody I'm sorry, my bad. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I was looking in the wrong spot. No, that's Mike's question. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, he's bad. Yeah, he's, he's really bad. I, I, like, I like. Yeah, the I feel like it's that, pretty sexy. Especially yeah. if he's like a button-down librarian type before that. And you're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. His dark side. I like the fact that they didn't sh- shy away from Ripper being kind of a. I mean, he's an asshole. He literally is not a very nice person. And they didn't shy away from that at all. And I like that. He (laughs) punches out a cop that is- Before he becomes Giles. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the cop had been eating candy as well. So it's not like that guy knew what he was doing either. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Why is is this responsible? Yes, I will. I'll use this gun. Yes, I will. No, just a, like as a character thing for Giles to be so wild. I don't know. It was mm-hmm. I was surprised when he punched a cop. I guess as surprised as Joyce was. Like, oh, mm-hmm. like clearly that's the <laughs> end of the fun because that cop is on them immediately. Like, they they like steal something and then boom, cop is there. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. obviously this cop was wanted to be a cop when he was a teenager. He was like, I can't mm-hmm. wait to be a cop. Yeah. Stop people from shoplifting cool jackets. Mm-hmm. But the it's interesting though, cause so Giles, like old, you know, sixteen-year-old Giles, if that's what he's become, right, is super right. rebellious and he's an asshole. But like the Giles we know is like super buttoned up, and I, I think that's mm-hmm. kind of a true thing about some people. The people that are the most buttoned up had the most like crazy lives that they had to like rein in <laughs> a little bit. Because like I would say as an adult, the buttoned up people I know, when they tell you like their lives before you <laughs> met them, it's always like, what the fuck wow like those people just like they they went off the deep end doing stuff that you would not believe when they tell their personal stories and i don't want to tell anybody's stories it's not my business to tell them but like you know listen to the moth but like there's just plenty of like just effed up stuff people do and then they end up like giles like giles doesn't just happen Mm -hmm. overnight (laughs) yeah or not like i mean i feel like i like i'm more disturbed i have a couple of people that i've met who like when i get to know them well it's like oh you got nothing like right. your background is like Why nothing happened to you. Experience is like the shocking one. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. I like I tell them my background, and they're like, "Oh my god, you did that!" And I'm like, "Yeah, what did you do?" And they're like, "I studied." Nothing. Like, oh. <laughs> I feel like I have friends like that as well. It's like you didn't go to the coffee shop like on weekdays. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we know what kind of uptight person Giles is. He's a person that broke all the rules and learned to behave uptight. <laughs> right yeah Sorry. all right uh let's talk about the big themes in this episode um navita really kind of runs it down really nicely in our notes here um so uh the first thing being be careful what you wish for right which is pretty true throughout buffy i mean this one is the wish for fulfillment in a way because she wants her parents to back off and she gets it <laughs> and then later she's like i need an adult <laughs> So be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also about what maturity, the nature of maturity, I think. I mm-hmm. think you have a nice comment here about that. Yeah, it doesn't take much to get people to kind of strip away that veneer of maturity. Uh, like we we're talking about Giles is obviously put on this persona as he's grown up as an adult. But you get someone a couple of drinks in, you get someone with a little bit of whatever in their system or just outside of their comfort zone and they change. They might revert back to that 16 year old 
person. And I don't, yeah. someone did a little uh, un, a comment underneath that was awesome too. Yeah, that was me. Uh, so yeah. the idea that, the idea that like everybody, all the adult characters were kind of determined mm -hmm. by who they were as adolescents in some way. So like right. there's, there's, this, there's this implicit thing and it's been noted before about Snyder that like the reason Snyder is such a dick is because he can't get dates or he like he feels awkward around women or he doesn't know how to date properly like there's i feel like that's really underscored here where he's like he's trying to put the moves on joyce doesn't know how to do it gets rejected um and that's why he's so outwardly hostile all the time mm -hmm. um, and i feel i feel probably he was picked on and those types of people like to be in control later because they're able to take charge of what their environment is like and they're not going to let people give them guff like snyder doesn't let um, Xander at the end call him Snyder he's like Principal Snyder to you so yeah yeah that works well definitely in TV writing it's true adult selves are determined <laughs> by insecure adolescent selves yeah I feel like I'm just my teenage self with like a horrible skin suit all the time <laughs> I would agree <laughs> <laughs> I feel like as an adult I've just gotten better at picking my friends that's about it Trying to surround myself with Oh, wow. Better. Thanks, Mike. Hey, hey, no, I didn't mean to be insulting. I'm going to go to Turkey for a month now. <laughs> You're uninvited to Thanksgiving, all of you. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm still talking to you guys. I love you guys. But I mean, as an adult, like in high school, like you're the, I mean, you're, you're after like my friends after a massive selection process, right? Like, and then your adult self, like just meeting people that are also adults and behave responsibly. You can do that as an adult. And it's amazing. I feel like that, you know, and the way you behave around other people, like, you know, if you want to get in shape, make friends with a lot of people who are in shape, you know, and it'll all happen for you. You know, you mm -hmm. want to, you want to get a, huh. <laughs> like you want to make friends who like Buffy you make a podcast and they just like appear Buffy, it's right? fantastic <laughs> yeah. Buffy people turn out to be pretty great though I think it's a good uh, uh I don't know it's like not that they need to build a dating site out of it or a friendship networking <laughs> site but like it's a good touchstone <laughs> bad I idea so far, I I've definitely made guys that I've dated watch Buffy and said look you will not understand me as a human being until you watch this show so, yeah. <laughs> I've tried that with girlfriends and I feel like it's never totally succeeded. Um. Uh, yeah. Uh. Yeah, I've reached yeah. tolerance with, uh, with, with, with girlfriends. I've never really like reached like, you know, acceptance of, of, of Buffy. But I, I, my, my, my current partner though has seen every episode of Buffy and every episode mm -hmm. of Star Trek and Next Generation <laughs> and D-Space Nine and Voyager and Obviously. Enterprise. That's the one, right? Um, That's it. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I haven't and, and seen all of Enterprise. I mean, nothing but tolerance. It's nothing but right. like, it's not like enthusiasm. It's just like, all right. It's not like, let's sit down and watch Buffy again. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I have a story about when I got divorced with my ex that we split up the DVDs, but it, it we don't need to talk about that right now. <laughs> it's actually a funny story, but. Um, Oh, uh, you're lucky it's the I first got, time on the show where I'd put It you. sounds like you got the Buffy DVDs. <laughs> no, okay, I'll tell the story. It's not that yes! long. So we were, <laughs> we're, we're getting divorced, and I used to buy the Angel DVDs for him. He liked Angel better, and he used to buy the Buffy DVDs for me for Christmas. And when we were getting divorced, which was completely amicable, 
he said he he was like gonna take the angel dvds and i looked him in the eye and said you're not gonna split up buffy and angel again are you so i have all of the dvds and he went and bought more angel dvds oh that's oh that's tough <laughs> yeah but but it was funny it was funny that's they were yeah we were we were great so yeah um, Navita, you suggest this may be a metaphor about drug use. What do you think? Well, I mean, it is, I think, but um, because they're obviously the personalities are changing based on this external substance that they're imbibing, either drug or alcohol um, use. Uh, I don't think they do it particularly well. I don't think they're necessarily, this is not the episode where Buffy hammers in the drug use metaphor, but I do believe that that's something that they're hinting at here. I get Anyone that. Else? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, if that's true, it's in a way of like a writer who's never done any drugs because it's so disconnected <laughs> from like what that experience is, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because it's, yeah, because it's uh, not like um, the main point of the episode, but it's just like. Right, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, another note you have, Navita, and it's all your notes from here on out because you're well, they were so good. Notes. I didn't see a reason to comment on these. Yeah, I know. Me too. I was like, nailed I, it. I got to Navita's notes and I was like, well, nothing else to add here. Um, Navita really, I think, points out really nicely that uh, we get a little yeah. bit more about Joyce's character here than we've ever gotten before. I think so because Joyce says things when she's regressed that I think are really important to Joyce as a person because Agree. I'm going to go to my other set of notes where she says like um as she's walking down main street with giles she says like basically that she feels like her old life of being a mom is a dream and now she's just waking up and then when buffy sees her and giles making out um buffy's like well or sorry joyce says something like well i don't get to say anything about you slaying and so you don't get to say anything about me doing this and i feel like it's a really really clear representation of like she feels out of control joyce yeah. is out of control yeah. in this episode and uh, we don't get to see joyce as a as a human very often and we really do get to see her as a human here yeah i think especially the first two seasons joyce wasn't a consistent personality. She was like mm -hmm. whatever the mom needed to be for that episode. Right. You know, so we're Absolutely. finally three seasons in, like learning this character, you know. That's a good right. point, Dennis, because like she's before she's been good mom, she's been like absent mom, she's been over involved right. mom, she's been distant mom, but like it's like now depending she's becoming a real person. Yeah. Yeah, depending on what the yeah. internal yeah. Like, logic to her and stuff. Yeah, it's literally just whatever pressure the episode needed, Joyce is going to step in and fill those shoes. But here we actually get to see how she's feeling about it on the other side. And it's great. I love Joyce. So, yeah. nice. And, uh, Navita, I, I can't put it better. You just wrap it up really nicely here. This is not the deepest episode ever, but it's tight, it's fast, and it ticks all the storylines forward. I totally agree. That's how I feel about mm -hmm. this episode completely. Uh, yeah. it's, it's just wall-to-wall yeah. -wall fun. It is a lot of fun. And I wouldn't say that it's the one that you have to show someone if you're doing continuity necessarily. There are things in here that, you know, they do, the storylines do progress. And, but it's all almost background 
scenes where you get the footsies and that kind of stuff where you get the little bit of the mayor or you get um, the, the little scene with Angel. But generally speaking, it's just, it's just fun. It's just a lot of fun. And I love Ethan. I'm always excited to see Ethan. Yeah, I, you know, it's, um, hmm. It, yeah, like, it's interesting say, because I, you, you brought up like trying to show this to somebody who maybe isn't like in it for the whole mm-hmm. thing, right? And right. I feel like, and I think somebody else noted this in the notes, I mean, Mike, that this idea of like playing characters against their type or playing characters against mm-hmm. a normal character, um, I feel like this is something that is, has to be earned. And like mm-hmm. this episode obviously mm-hmm. wouldn't work in season one at all. And no. even if, even Which after you- the Naked Now doesn't work, right? Right, it's why the Naked Now doesn't work, exactly. So I was gonna bring up Star Trek anyway. Uh, so <laughs> naked, the Naked Now, which is uh, <laughs> season one, episode two of Star Trek The Next Generation, yeah, totally doesn't work because you can't play characters against themselves because there's a drunk episode, right? Basically is what it is. Oh, Everybody uh-huh, gets drunk uh-huh. and it doesn't work. But also even that, even like, even after you have earned it, it still is a dangerous thing to do. So Star Trek Insurrection mm. does this, right? In Star Trek Insurrection, you have, uh, you know, uh, everybody de-ages because of the magic of this certain planet. And one of the things that happens, like Worf gets like Klingon acne and he gets like a big like Klingon pimple, which is like a special, it's called a gort, I think, if I remember right. <laughs> but it doesn't work because they do it too much. It's like Data's against character, Worf's against character, oh, cards against, everybody's okay. against character mm-hmm. and it doesn't work because it's overdone. And right, right. at some point you need to see the character being themselves mm-hmm. for that joke to work. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, that's a gripe think- I have about Star Trek, but. I think in this one, if if you really do look at these characters regressed, you get to see them who, you can actually see them grow into the people that you actually know and love. I mean, there there are always moments of Ripper in Giles, and there are always Mm. moments of the dorky Joyce kid in Joyce. I mean, she was... On the yearbook, you know, I think it's the cheerleading episode where she says, well, I was editor of the yearbook. And it's like, you were a freaking dork, Joyce. And it's nice to see those characters and see that they actually became these people. I would say, John, that I think through the magic of television, or I guess I would say that a show can play against type in the first year. If, it, if that show, ha- it won't work that year. I won't argue that. But if that show actually has, you know, two or three more seasons, you could rewatch that episode and it probably, <laughs> that's what I'm, that's what I'm uh, going to put uh-huh. out. Uh, My, uh, if, I mean, if they're acted, if, if it's well acted, well, well naked um, now is not a good example mm. of that then. Yeah, but it is a very often referred to episode for one specific reason, right? Which is what? Oh, yeah, because, yeah, because of fully, the fully functional moment. Yeah. 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 Oh, Okay. Well, because we I all want to think about I having think, sex with data. I mean, right? I mean, that's. <laughs> I think even I know what that is. That moment is. I've, yeah. I've not watched. Star I understood Trek, the so. implication. I don't need to see this episode. Yeah. You, you really, you, you really don't. If there's a Star Trek episode you want to skip, it's it's definitely high on the list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Triple episode. That seems like a skippable episode. That's a no, different what? Star Trek, Travis. Also, that episode is not skippable. <laughs> Everything you just said is wrong, Travis. If only because you Stop need you to need to this into a Star Trek podcast. Yeah. Too late. You <laughs> yeah. need to watch. You need to watch the Trouble with Tribbles so that decades later you can understand Trials and Tribulations. Like it, it pays off in Deep Space Nine. <laughs> I think I've seen that one. Uh, or the Star so, Trek animated series episode, More Trouble with Tribbles. I'm yeah, that's right. Divert. I'm trying to divert. So, Michael, <laughs> you're the first one that has 
since you've seen this for the first time, how do you feel about the characters as young people? And do you think it worked? So I, I really enjoyed it, this episode, mm-hmm. but I, I think there were like a lot of, I think the biggest surprises are how much fun the principal is, right? I think we've said that mm-hmm. repeatedly, mm-hmm. right? He's super fun. And there's just mm-hmm. like that odd moments at the bronze, like that are really fun. <laughs> right. Um, and like, you know, the Giles and Joyce team trying to help Buffy is really weird. I'm surprised she can even like get them to like f- go with her or convince them right. to like to support her. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like it for what it reveals about the characters. I mean, the Giles stuff is always, is just so surprising, like how he acts. Mm-hmm. Like, I think mm-hmm. that was the most upended one for me, like seeing Giles act out. And so I like, I, I don't like it. I don't like Giles hitting the cop and stuff. That stuff feels really extreme for any human being. And so mm. it just, like, why hasn't Giles been to jail? Like, some of this behavior is ridiculous. Like, I'm sure, I don't know why there isn't a Giles uh, spinoff series, because I want to hear There about... was supposed to be. There oh, was yeah. To be a Ripper series, yes. Yeah. There was going to be one. In my dreams. Yeah. That show would have been yeah. amazing. Oh, God, it would have been so good. So good. Yeah. But, I mean, you guys have been through all the other Ethan episodes where you get to see Ripper come out. And it's pretty much in the Ethan episodes at this point. But, I mean, he tortures Ethan. And he, you know, is, he's not a great person when he's in that persona. So I, I love it. But <laughs> kind of a bit of a bad boy. But it's also like, I, I feel like while I'm watching them, I'm like watching the actors audition for this part of them playing the mm. younger version of themselves. Like, I can imagine a casting person like when they're doing, and of course I've just, I was in an audition before this podcast. I was auditioned for the Mm -hmm. last podcast. Apparently I'm just constantly auditioning for things now, but (laughs) you know, I was at an audition and I can just imagine the notes coming back like, okay, uh, it sounds like you got this Giles character. Can you try to do him as a teenager? Let's see how that looks. Mm -hmm. And I, I, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of direction on it. I feel like the actors are really trusted to develop these characters and mm-hmm. that the I don't I don't think that the director is really stepping in to tell them how to perform these characters because mm-hmm. like it's really fun but the characters feels totally unhinged and like they're boundaryless like the same Giles that's like like you know they're they're playing such strange teens from the eras that they're from so it's like they're mm-hmm. leaning into some of these tropes and stereotypes of how those people what those ages are apparently like and how people behaved in the language from those times it just right it's like it's like a great acting moment but and like I think everyone does okay but I totally feel like I'm watching the audition for it and I'm not seeing the final final draft like it like these are good these are fine for tv performances I think for film performances we'd all be disappointed (laughs) like yeah they're they're character caricatures of the characters yeah but it's a silly episode too like I mean it's it's it it fits the tone of the episode well, you got to yeah, move fast yeah. too. Like you got to get these characters to like these fun dramatic points. So they got to mm-hmm. got to yeah. drop inhibitions immediately. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think there uh, is some great shoulder scenes where you're starting to see them break down and you see Joyce's body language slip a little bit. You see Giles's accent slip a little bit. And I think they actually do a really good job in those scenes. But I feel yeah. like I'm watching the actors be themselves, like be themselves in a different way. It's particularly Joyce. It's like, oh, this is probably how she actually talks. Like this is this character she slipped into is more the actress character. <laughs> Do you think she chews gum with her mouth open all the time? <laughs> no, I mean she's having fun with it. Like you know, she's leaning into the teenager part. But like, yeah, I don't know. It's cool to see that side of them. 
I would love to see them play other parts. It, it was just fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can we discuss predictions next? Are we ready for that? Yes. Yeah, I know I screwed up a big one. But. Actually, I don't know that you did, um, unless I missed one. So, hold up. So, at this moment, Mike, your prediction uh, accuracy is at 68.75%. Ooh. So, you're, uh-huh. you're really, you're hitting like a D plus, right? You're not doing so hot, right? First of all, I don't like the school-based grading system. I feel like we need yeah, to Yeah, I don't either. Like, <laughs> I, uh, I adopted this system, I would like to say, when you were like at an A. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. Well, we need a new system now. I'm not going to do Maybe, that well. If we, keep doing, if we keep doing bad, you'll start getting school stress dreams. Yeah. You'll be, <laughs> you're going to be chased by the uh, prediction spreadsheet in your dreams. <laughs> so I already have prediction nightmares because you guys are so, like – by the by how <laughs> the wording the language punishment is so extreme so, especially we, considering you're not the one writing down the prediction you're being yeah, pushed for yeah, yeah. i do down. check the language with mike when i write them down i don't it's not like i make up something nefarious to trip him up later uh all right back. So i'm doing horribly thank you that's the update great you're okay. doing you're doing uh, you you could do better let's just I say feel like we could have an episode by episode grade but anyway that's maybe all right. Oh, an episode by episode. That's an interesting thought. Uh, anyway, um, so in way back in the third episode, season one, episode three, Mike predicted that Giles and Joyce will get together. I knew it, and I'm so excited it happened in this fantasy. So that is confirmed. That yes, is I'm glad confirmed. you confirmed it because I thought you wouldn't. Yeah. I thought you guys would be like, well, they didn't get together. You know, they just hooked up. I mean, I, maybe, maybe the... Last Does the Rogues Gallery want to object? Together. I yeah, feel like guys, giving it to him. I did kind of break it down on the last or the one before. Yes, getting together. So, well, okay. To be fair, to be fair, the language in that in that one was Willow and Xander will become quote an item, and I don't think oh, they've no. quite become okay. an item yet. They're not so, an item. You, yeah, they're not an item. Right. Yeah, but Giles and Joyce did get together. Get together. Yes, I would agree. I would yeah. agree on that one. Um. Let's see. Uh, no funeral. So there was a, a little tease almost at a funeral in this episode, but no, no funeral. Um, let's see. Where is the tease? At the beginning when Giles is standing over the grave and he's reading out of a book. It kind of implies uh, almost for a second you're meant to believe it's a funeral. Uh, I think, not but that late at night. Come on. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> um, in season two, episode eight, the last appearance of Ethan Rain, Mike uh, predicted that Ethan Rain will appear again. That Yay. is also confirmed. All right, great. <laughs> Guess what? Uh, I totally he's gonna come back. I don't know. <laughs> I should probably be more specific. He's back again. Hey guys, uh, you're doubling up. All right. Let's see. So this one's interesting, and I think we're gonna go ahead and Dennis and I discussed this briefly when you were not on the mic, Mike. Uh oh. But um, I think we're gonna go ahead and give the, give you this one, even though we probably shouldn't. I I don't know. I think it's an argument you made, but we're gonna give it to you. Uh, so. In season two, episode eight, Mike, you predicted that Giles will not have his tattoo removed. We see his tattoo in this episode. Even though he could still have it removed later, we're going to go ahead and give it to you that he didn't get it removed. Because yeah. he should have gotten it removed. Right. have purposely given him that tattoo for this episode as yeah. a callback to that. So yeah. I think mm-hmm. I'm giving that to Mike. That's a good prediction. Yeah, we're going to give that to Mike. <laughs> a pretty if he was going to get it removed, it would have been shortly after that incident, I would think. And he doesn't ever get it removed. Um, interesting. Let's see. Uh, interesting point, just for fun. 
Mike, you predicted that Jenny Callender would sleep with Giles. Turns out she wasn't the one who ended up sleeping with Giles. Just. But I thought we thought she did. No, we decided she didn't. We decided that Jenny Callender and Giles did not have sex in they season were two. Ready to. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I think that that was going to be the the one. Um. Let's see. Going through. Oh, here, here we go. Uh, this one I think is kind of interesting. In this is not one we can confirm or deny, but in season two, episode seventeen, Michael, you predicted that Giles will never go to jail. I think this is in support of that prediction, but it's not confirmed yet. Uh, I don't remember did, like, that prediction. <laughs> he did steal a gun from a cop, but apparently no repercussions. Just that's you know. He may still go to jail someday. We don't know. Oh, uh, well, 16-year-old we'll... Giles may have gone to jail, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would, I would guess he'd at least been in a drunk tank, which is, you know, at one point or another. Uh, in season three, episode two, Mike, you predicted that Giles and Joyce will hang out as friends. That also happened this episode. That is also confirmed. Mm-hmm. Yay! <laughs> oh, it's a bizarro universe. This is great. <laughs> a bizarro universe where you get a lot of predictions confirmed? Yeah, no, I love it. Um, I, this one's interesting. So this one is not confirmed or denied yet, but I want to point this out so we can keep keep track of it. Mike, recently you predicted, two episodes ago, you predicted that the tr- that Mr. Trick and the mayor will only have one caper together before their partnership ends. Yep. They've had their one caper. They've had one. If they have one so, more, Mike, you lose that prediction. Yeah. So was, the, was that it during Homecoming was the prediction? That they would I think have so. one. Yeah, because predi- he was recruited that, last okay. episode over homecoming. And then the mayor's okay. like, grabs, gets the police to deliver. Yeah, I'm sorry. I have that listed okay, wrong. I think okay. I have that listed as, as uh, episode four, but that's actually episode five. I think I have but that wrong in the spreadsheet. I feel like Trick would be an idiot to work with the mayor again. He, they clearly totally botched this thing. Uh, well, and but also at the, the end, the mayor's like, just don't do any more favors for me, which implies that it will. It implies. It implies. So we'll see. I think Trick Um, is going to be an independent operative after this, and his next caper will be his last, and that's going to be my next prediction. Trick will have another, you know, mission, but not with the mayor. Hold on. Okay. I'm. I I already. Mike wrote his predictions down. I've got them copied and pasted here in the spreadsheet. But I want. I'm going to have to get some clarifying language on some of these. Okay. Sure. Um, uh, I think, though, that that means that all of your predictions this, this episode, we only have confirmations. We have no denials. It, what a great what did episode. I, what did I mess up? Because, Mike, you said you thought you screwed one up. What did oh, I mess so up? So when you just brought up the trick thing, I thought that that was going to be, you're like, well. Oh, no. Yeah, Sorry, no, I like man. how you brought that up. That's cool. You've only got the mind, one. I, in the mind, my mind, like, I actually was hoping the trick was going to get killed this episode so that like, I could <laughs> confirm that <laughs> one. So when trick got away, I was like, ah, well, mm, I got to make a prediction about we this. We don't know. We don't know. He could have another another collaboration with the mayor or not. We have no idea at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. All right. No, so, yeah, Mike. Well, the trick's, um, I mean, the final thing where he, like, makes a fire joke after Buffy sets the demon on fire. I was like, shut up, Trick. So, Mike, will you go through your predictions um, one at a time at the bottom of the sheet so I can clarify these? Sure. So the first prediction here is I, Giles and Joyce are not going to work together to raise Buffy. Now, there's that moment. What does that epi- mean? That's vague. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. It's just there's that moment this episode where they're, like, connected at the house at yeah. Joyce's place, and they're talking about 
uh, like clearly they've been had a meeting, a summit to discuss, you know, how they can mm-hmm. schedule Buffy. Of course, it's for the show's story about, you know, how Buffy doesn't does and doesn't want that kind of thing to happen. So like, I don't think that they are going to work together like that. I don't think Giles is going to be coming to the house again. I think like. All right. Wait, now, wait a second. So I think that's a two different options. type of prediction. There's two options here. Okay. I think you can leave this prediction as you wrote it, in which case um, myself and Dennis and Travis will interpret it as we see fit. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. you can clarify the prediction as, um, you know, Giles will not visit the house or something like no, that. No, I mean, he stops by every now and then. I just mean that they're not coordinating Buffy's Slayer schedule against her, you know, like her schedule with her mom. Like, I mean, that's okay. what this episode's about. Right? Do you want to it's clarify like, that Giles and Joyce will not coordinate on Buffy's schedule further? Right. <laughs> yes. Giles and Joyce are not going to coordinate Buffy's schedule together. Okay. This was clearly just a fun, you know, for the story thing that happened. It was super weird to see them coordinate. Uh, okay. It's fun though, but it's not, it's not a thing. She's not going to show up in the library and she's like, Giles, you guys are going out this weekend to get rid of this mummy thing. Uh, but I, you know, we have to have brunch. I'm inviting the family, you know, like they're not going to coordinate uh, Buffy's okay. schedule, her life, her life. All right. Okay. All right. That, that, no, that's good. I feel better about that one. Um, mm-hmm. And then your next one, Mike. Tricks caper. Next caper will be his last. Like, what does that mean? We're almost like we're done he's going to die or he's going to be written off the show in some way. Like what's going to happen? <laughs> he's going to be killed or run away. But like tricks next caper is his last. I mean, I think okay. we got it. I don't think I don't see him on the DVD covers, so I don't see how he can be around much longer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this DVD cover. Not a good indicator. <laughs> okay. And I feel like your last prediction is very clear. Go ahead. Giles and Joyce will not talk about hooking up ever again. The show is going to respect their discretion. It will happen in the fan fiction universe, but Giles and Joyce are not going to talk about hooking up. It never happened. What about like oblique references? They can talk about Cream, I guess. They can talk about music they listen to. (laughs) Uh, They can talk about, they can joke about chocolate together, but they're not going to talk about hooking up, making out or whatever. Like that never happened. So the show itself will never acknowledge the fact that they had sex. They are not going to acknowledge that they had sex. The characters will not acknowledge. The characters will not acknowledge to each other, but people know it happened. And I think Buffy might joke about it, but that is not the same as them acknowledging it, judges. So it's if okay. Giles and Joyce in a room together and they get close for a second, and Giles is like, We did this once before. You know, like just like they're not going to directly okay. address that they, they hooked up. They can't. So they respect Mike, each other's discretion. I think you'll be happy to know that um, after today's prediction session, oh, that you yeah. have crossed over from uh, 68. You are now at a 71.1, which puts you in nice. C-minus territory. Such great news. <laughs> I, I said I hated that yeah, grade. I don't know why I said that. Buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty okay. good. And then I have one more prediction, John. Oh, one more. Okay, go ahead. Ethan Rain will not return on his own. Uh, and I mean, will I'm sorry. Ethan Wynn will return on his own. He's not going to be recruited by Trick or Another Demon. He will return to be on the show, but he will not be recruited to return. And maybe it's lame to say Ethan Rain will return, but clearly, like this guy, this show loves this guy. He's coming back to do more magical nonsense. Ethan I mean, Rain will recruit, will return, but not recruited and by. It's, and it's interesting that Ethan Rain's episodes are all about inverting the universe, like the Halloween episode, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. it's like an interesting mm-hmm. device to bring about bizarro worlds where strange mm-hmm. things are true, and the show fucking loves it. So like 
Ethan Rain's going to come back and invert the universe, hit the universe inversion button again to be the cue of <laughs> Buffy or whatever, <laughs> where it's like he Woo, takes the universe the hostage. Star Trek reference. <laughs> well, uh, is that extra credit, John? Extra I think that is extra credit. Ethan uh, Rain's cue of Buffy. Yeah. So wait, Ethan Rain will return, but not recruited by anyone or not recruited by specifically Trick and the okay, Mayor? Okay. Like, I mean, that, that's, that doesn't matter. He will, yeah, he will return of his own volition. Okay. So it's All it's right. two, two predictions. One, Ethan Rain will return. Two, Ethan Rain, when he returns, so an Ethan Rain episode is Rain. a universe inversion episode. That's what I'm defining as an Ethan okay. Rain episode. It will okay. happen again. Okay. He inverts the universe. That's why we bring him back. So show writers are like, okay. oh, it'd be really neat if dot, dot, dot. Like everyone, I mean, because like they did it in season one a little bit with the, is it the puppet in the nightmares that people kept having? Uh, mm. When they face their nightmares? No, no, no. Yeah. That was the- No, those are two the, separate- that was the Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street episode, right? Where they face nightmares because the kid's in the coma and then it triggers right, right, everyone's right. nightmares. Lucky 13. Lucky 13, yeah. So the other way of doing that is to have Ethan Rain come back and totally <laughs> do that style episode. And they so do you think, okay, so do you think, this might be a different prediction and you could ignore me, but do you think they, they could do a universe switch episode without Ethan Rain? Well, yeah, they can. They have. I think they like Version. it, but but when Ethan Rain comes on, they they'll it's absolutely i mean they can do it any way they want. i don't know but like because they've done it other times too like every episode is kind of a universe inverting one like you know thinking about like when you know, xander yeah. xander wished for ladies to like him right and like that that's a total mess like i feel like those are all universe mm-hmm. inverting things so that's a common i guess wish fulfillment is a super common thing for this show but like I don't know. I guess like every episode could be defined as this, but Ethan Rain is definitely when he's on, you know for sure that's happening. It's not just a monster of the week. The monster is us. <laughs> <laughs> the Welcome monster to the is high school. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mike. Uh, before we wrap up predictions, do you have a die handy? I can go to random dice roll. I got you. Want to? Yeah, you want to roll your own? <laughs> no, no, please. I don't yeah. care. Are you sure? Yeah, please, please roll me, John. Okay, I'll roll you. <laughs> All right, Polly. <laughs> Mike, you get a two. <laughs> okay. What is that? Roll again. Huh? <laughs> He's gotten two before. It's okay. He's allowed to, uh, that's all right. It can't always be B, you know? Also, like, I, I have been, ch- I, I, I periodically change these up so that hopefully we don't have too many repeats. Okay. Um, all right. So, Mike, I want you to look at the title of the next episode. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Revelations, oh. right? What does this title uh-huh. refer to? <laughs> I feel like you've already predicted I this. I constantly you predict have this. already <laughs> predicted this. I'm rolling the dice again. God damn it. Okay. <laughs> I have predictions about this episode. All right. Okay. All right. You rolled a three. Man, I don't even know. You, you can skip the rolling part. Just go to the thing. Go to the fun <laughs> ones? All right. Fine. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Here we go. I'm going to have you roll again to choose a, choose a character. All right. Uh, you rolled five, which means Cordelia. All right. Okay. If this character is currently in a relationship, predict if this relationship will last until the end of the season, which she is. She's in a relationship with Xander. So, will Cordelia and Xander, will Candor last until the end of the season? No. 
Zandelia. It's over. <laughs> Zandelia. Will Zandelia <laughs> last until the end of the season? Well, I don't know. I mean, clearly there's a reckoning coming for that relationship. There's even a great hilarious joke about it in this episode where uh, Xander and Willow <laughs> are like fidgety touching or whatever. And then Cordelia oh is like, or, or no, no, Willow is there. Willow's just there. Yeah. And then yeah. she's like, hey, do you want to swap? Right? Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> now, I don't think that means Cordelia is going to date Oz. I think it's that like the Xander and Cordelia thing is going to come to an end, but I don't know what that means. Well, uh, we'll before the, the end show. of the season though, before the end of the season, how many episodes are left? I don't know, like 20? Quite a few. 20? Yeah. This is only episode six, five, six? Yeah, this is six. Yeah, this is six uh, out of 24, I think. <laughs> uh, okay. So yes. They'll break up. Yes, they'll get back together, right? Like, I mean, that's... Well, wait, wait. That's two predictions. Two predictions. Uh, or is it one? How do you want to do this? I'd like to do it as... Just one is fine. They're going to break up and then they get back together. I don't know how they're going to break up. I don't know how they're going to get back together. That's one prediction. I mean, all it would take is for her to look over in class or look behind in class and see that their feet are touching and then be like, what's going on, guys? Cause she's very direct. So like, yeah, I mean, it's going to happen. And so then, uh, I have as a single prediction, Zandelia will break up and get back together in season two. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll get back together. Yeah. Season three. Okay. Oh, season I don't, three. Sorry. I not don't season, think, we're not I in season two anymore. Cause I don't think the show wants Xander and Willow to be together either. Right. Like they want for fan reasons, it's fun to play around with, but like, I don't think that, I don't think it can. It's like, it's, they're fucking over their current things to do it and like that's probably fun for now but there's a reckoning and then they're gonna i don't know if they i don't know how long it will take i think a season i mean it's more than enough time for a tv show and it's right enough it's the right time that like they can like then prove themselves and rescue the their other partners and get back together right like they can they can like i feel like yeah 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 it'll they'll they'll get a chance to like willow get a chance to rescue oz and Xander will get a chance to rescue Cordelia, and then they'll they'll that'll like put them on the good graces enough to maybe get back together. But like, uh, yeah, but I don't know because I've heard I, we know that like Willow later is like a lesbian, like she has another relationship, so maybe not her and Oz. So okay, let me split this up. So Willow <laughs> Willow is not going to get back together with Oz. Xander will get back together with Cordelia. How about that? Okay, wait. So I have. Zandelia will break up and get back together in season three. That's one prediction. By, by the end of this season, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. What's the prediction about Willow and Oz specifically? Willow and Oz are going to break up, but they're not going to get back together. So Waz will break up. Yeah. Waz. Yeah. Or is... Zillow is even better. It's so weird. No. <laughs> or or Olillo. <laughs> Oh, Lillo, or <laughs> but I can't believe the show is letting this Boy. carry on for so long. I mean, I'm, I it's making me crazy. <laughs> All right, um, Dennis, body count. Shall we move on to body count? Yes. Yeah. Um, it was okay. So here's the thing: is we <laughs> on screen death was only one human, four vampires, and one stupid demon. But I feel like there's more death implied in the chaos of the night. Like, it's purge night, basically. So there's got to be some, like, murders we don't see. Um, well, but it, it was, all I can... It was, 
Yeah, I, it, they, it was interesting that there aren't any vampires killing anybody. Yeah, like, especially because they only needed around. four for that sacrifice. And <laughs> yeah. Dale is a vampire town. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, humans won, vampires four, demons won. Unless we can guess there's more off screen. Say that again? Vampires four, humans one, demon one. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. That's uh, a little different than uh, with what the Buffy wiki has. Oh, what does the Buffy wiki have? Buffy has that, or the wiki has that Buffy dusted three vampires. Oh, I see. No, you're right. No, they have the same thing. My bad. I'm dumb. Sorry. Okay. I, I can't count. She, she dusts one at the beginning and then three in the finale. Yeah, no, they, they, well, no, they, well, they have, uh, they have that three were dusted by Buffy. Uh, Laconis eats one yeah. vampire, so yeah. a total of four, and then Mister Trick eats the vamp or kills the one uh, guy in the factory, mm-hmm. and then the, then the then Laconis himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's basically the same as what you come up with. All right, uh, want to do recommendations? Recommendations, yes, Dennis, please. Um, I recommend the movie The Stuff. Um, yeah good call food makes people you know not who they really are kind of movie uh definitely a big 80s movie um it's such a good movie uh i was thinking about children or baby sacrifice movies um and there's a current one but i feel like it would be spoiling it to recommend it because it happens at the end uh but the three extremes what the three extremes (laughs) No, what's the three extremes? Three extremes is uh, that uh, it's like it's like an anthology movie, and there's a Takashi Miike um, short oh. where like there's dumplings that try to be fetus dumplings. Oh, I didn't see that. Uh, well, I totally you, spoiled it for everybody. Do you <laughs> want to recommend now. it? Uh, I mean, maybe not now. <laughs> All right, um, but I thought of Eraserhead and Antichrist both have some pretty serious kid deaths. Oh. Um, and I think I've already recommended Lair of the White Worm, but it's another sacrifice to a snake movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might have already recommended that. And there's also a really great run of uh, Thimble Theater with Popeye, where they go to find the Fountain of Youth, and it does the same thing where it just makes people act younger, but they don't actually de-age. Uh, but they drink too much and start acting like babies. Um, <laughs> so that run of Popeye, I really recommend. Uh, it's way better than Star Trek Insurrection. <laughs> So those are my recs. Does anyone else have anything? Nope. Not me. Nope. Freaky Friday. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one, of course, where Jamie Lee Curtis acts like her mom, right? Yeah, it's a great one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I think there's a remake with her as the mom, right? Like they totally... It's... Um... Hillary it's not Jack? Jamie Lee Curtis oh. in the original. It's uh, uh, what's her name from? Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. Yeah. Okay, time for a Google on this one. Yeah, J- Jodie Foster. You got it. Uh, so yeah, Freaky Friday. Both of them are great. Everybody loves Freaky Friday. Well, cool. All, All right. right. 
where do we find out about Buffy Virgin? You've already listened to the whole thing, which is great. So you probably know everything. Yeah, we're, we're two hours in now, so you're probably a huge fan. <laughs> yeah, thank you for tuning in this far. Gosh, super fans. This is yeah, great. I'm, I'm really bad at remembering all this stuff. Dennis, what's our social media stuff? Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Buffy Virgin Pod, on Instagram at Buffy Virgin, on Facebook.com slash Buffy Virgin. Uh, please subscribe, follow, like, like. enjoy. Art. Mm-hmm. Oh, and of course, if you um, are into uh, Dennis St. John, and we are all into Dennis St. John, you have a new book out, Dennis. I do. The Land of Many Monsters and Many More Monster Tales. Uh, one-man anthology piece. Uh, 112 pages of monsters. Monsters, monsters. Travis is holding it up <laughs> right now monsters. for the YouTube Yes, monsters. My copy's on order. It's coming. Awesome. It's, you know, I'm proud of it. I'm honestly, I can honestly say, like, I'm proud of this work. It's like weird shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope if you if you like the shit I say on this podcast, you <laughs> probably like my comic. Um, you can tell I'm very inspired by Buffy in mm-hmm. my monster comics. Uh, all right, thank you. Thanks it, for it, can't, it can't be helped. The forward in this book is just so sweet. Like I learned yeah. things about your life in this forward. I, I feel like I understand you better, even though I didn't understand this part of you. Like, I understand different parts of you, right? So yeah, The forward is written by uh, Stephen Bissett. Um, yeah. He's been on the yeah, podcast. Forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was, it's an awesome forward. Oh, what, well, can you tease out something, Travis? Or What do you mean? Like something from the forward. I guess you've teased it. We all want to read it now. Just <laughs> oh, for the it forward. Just... It, it just um, because basically in my own personal life, I was going through a lot when Dennis was in Vermont. So like I learned like a little bit, of, learned more about like the details, right? Of like what, what happened at the cartoon school. Yeah, between 2007 and 2012. 14, 13, yeah. 12, 13, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's just fun to see that, like uh, that side of you in this. Yeah, so it's cool. It's really cool actually. If you if you know me and want to know more, know, know more about my life in Vermont, you can also be. <laughs> but to talk about Buffy Brain for a second, like it's definitely infected me. Like we've been doing this for a year, and uh, I've been writing a Buffy inspired short story that I shared with my hey. wife the other day, and she was like, "Whoa, Can that I stuff's gotten to you." Yeah. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> when do we get to read this, Mike? I mean, I could read you parts if you want, but it's urban fantasy. It takes nice. place in high school. Anyway, you know what That's this stuff great. is like. Nice. I'm not sure I do. I'm kind of curious. So my main character, she's a librarian, uh, not inspired <laughs> by Giles, but that's like the type of thing that she is and she can learn stuff really easily and that's her power. She doesn't have to read something twice, just once, or she could see something mm-hmm. and imitate it. But, you know, she's only so, you know, it's hard to totally understand something just by imitating it. So she gets some things wrong. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's that sounds good. power. That's awesome. Sounds like it'll be YA. So anyway, I'm enjoying it. Kindle Unlimited allows you to publish things pretty easily. So yeah. uh, it's already published? No, 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 not yet. Not no, no. I'm not trying to steal Dennis's thing. Sorry. I was just talking about the fact that the Buffy brain thing is real yeah. and that it totally inspires you to go do stuff like it. Mm-hmm. So I got where Twilight comes from. <laughs> Nobody gets where Twilight comes from. Come on. It comes from no. Forks. I have a friend no. who grew up in Forks, Washington, and she's like, I hate that people know what the town I, li- I grew up in now because of Twilight. 
uh, and on and that. Is your, uh, is your stuff going to go live? We should not maybe talk about that then, your video project. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm doing a thing on Facebook. It won't go live anytime soon, but uh, I just, uh, every once in a while, I want to, I've got a huge collection of VHS tapes that I found in the dumpster. Uh, just not one dumpster, but several over the course of about 20 years. And, Sounds terrifying. Um, so so I've, been, I've been broadcasting them live on, on Facebook Live because uh, I'm going to move to the UK eventually, and I can't take 20 years worth of VHS tapes with me. So they got to do, got to go somewhere. You say that now. Storage pod. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm bringing back uh, my amazing basement. We're shooting some stuff. So. Oh, hooray! That's my favorite that. YouTube channel. Yeah, uh, it's going to be called In My Garage, and I can tease the intro music for you guys to this one. Well, you're not going to sing the the intro this time. Oh, it's a new intro because it's called In My Garage now. But you're still going to sing it. Uh. Yeah, I'm still going to sing it. So let me just share my screen. <laughs> Hold on. This is going to be a random Facebook share because it's in a Facebook Messenger app. I see what I see. They call me Michael Poli. In the garage. So that's it. That's in the <laughs> Oh, My character uh, is going to be a little sad. It's going to be great. It's like that Weezer song in the garage. Oh, yeah. No, it's oh, no. exactly that song. <laughs> <laughs> but just that part. That's great. Anyway. Um, I want to acknowledge that you did a really great rap last week that we, mm-hmm. for those who don't know, we didn't actually get to listen to that live. So our reactions were fake. Oh, we're no. Like, <laughs> 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 uh, so I just want to acknowledge that that was really awesome um, summary you did last week. Like, oh, so. Thanks. I didn't feel like I did as thorough a summary as Travis did, but uh, I definitely enjoyed it. Travis's summary was uh, from another planet. That was fantastic. <laughs> I've never, that was some, some. That's linguistic what it's like all the time things <laughs> happening <laughs> oh my god that was i loved it that was really good all right let's close the show down yeah let's uh, yeah that's turn off your stuff i'm just gonna press stop but you want yeah, two it? hours 15 minutes is uh that's a <laughs> yeah. podcast that's <laughs> Please tell me we're talking baseball. Call me Xander. Know my banter. Like to gander. Foxy ladies, babies. Some of you are definitely from Hades. Grant my wish, please. Okay, uh, you do know that I'm Xander, right? Call me Xander. I'm not a planner. I'm champing at the bit to win with my wit. You know that I'm fit like American lit. Here are three girls and a teacher that I want to get with. Now, first I need to get under Willow's sweaters, even if it means wearing scarlet letters. She's my best friend. What we have will end, but it's worth it if I get to sexually ascend. So Buffy is hot, and I'd like to win the jackpot. That would really hit the spot. I know I'm a long shot. That's why I've got to cast a spell. I know it makes me a ne'er-do-well. Send my social life to hell, all for a chance to ring your bell. Hold up, Buffy, you're acting smart. Me. Reminds me of the army and I'm the alien at Roswell. I propose we start a fling at the cemetery. Swing, you could slay vamps and I'll take off your pants. Why don't you and I do something together tonight? Just the two of us. Really? Yeah. We can comfort each other. Well, would lap dancing enter into that scenario at all? Because I find that very comforting. Third girl is a teacher and I'd like her to teach me. I can be your pet if it makes her wet. Get my horny thirst quenched, French and Natalie French. In case you think I planned it, watch me smooch a mantis. Oh, no, I made a mistake. She might be a snake. 
Buffy, please save me. I don't have a stake. The fourth girl is Cordelia. She's my big deal. I gave her a locket as a memorabilia, but she doesn't see me unless I'm in a speedy. What do I do, B? In the vent, you remember what it's like to be young. Learn the words to this song. Call me Xander. Call me Xander.